Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Recorded live. And the door that was open for John is still open for you. Jesus Christ opened the heavens. They haven't shut it. Abby came to me the other day and said, Daddy, this door is broken. We were at a store, and it had automatic doors, and she said, the door is broken. She's five, so I had to explain to her, baby, the door isn't broken. You just didn't get close enough to open it. There's some uh, sensors up here, and you stopped five feet short of where you had to stand. And the doors would have opened. After this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I first heard said, come on up, and I will show you what must take place after this. He saw a door because he looked ahead. He heard a voice because he got above. So preach my sermon to your neighbor. Tell him, look ahead from above. As you look at your future, look at it from God's perspective. Even as you think about November, Think about November from God's perspective. I'm preaching to all of you Fox News junkies, and MSNBC too, because the next thing that John saw will set you heart free from anxiety. Can I get it to you? We're down to seven minutes, so we'll have to work quickly. But he said, I saw the door. And I heard a voice, and at once I was in the Spirit, and there before me, before me was a throne in heaven. I wish I had time to tell you about this throne, man. I don't have time to tell you because there's a whole other group that's coming to church. I would tell you about everything that's around the throne. There is a rainbow around the throne of God that encircles the throne to represent his brilliance. I would tell you about the 24 elders who sit on 24 thrones around the throne, little lowercase t thrones around the capital T throne, and how they have crowns of gold, and gold represents dignity, and they wear robes of white, which represent purity because the Lamb has washed us clean. And I would tell you if I had time about the four living creatures who were sitting around heaven one day, and one of them looks like an ox, and one of them looks like a lion, and one of them has a face like a man, and one of them has wings. Well, in fact, all of them have wings. They have six wings each, and they're covered with eyes because they can see God perfectly, and their job is to get around the throne, and they wrote a song for God one day, and they said, Holy is the Lord God Almighty, and then they, uh, one of them said, I don't think that's good enough. We should do Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty, because if we say it twice, we get the point across, because it says God we're speaking about, and they sang that for like a couple thousand years. And then eventually one of them said, I don't think we're doing it right because he's not just holy, holy. He's holy, holy, 
holy is the Lord God Almighty. He is and was and is to come. See, He is holy. He was holy. He will be holy. He's holy. Holy, holy, he is the God who stands in your future, redeeming your past from your present. He is holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty. I wish I had time to tell you about the throne. I would tell you about the seven lampstands that are before the throne that represent the seven spirits of God that have gone out into the earth. I tell you about the sea of crystal that's before the throne, clear as crystal, because God sees everything that happens on earth from his vantage point in heaven. There's no tear you cried he hasn't seen. There's no heartbreak you suffered that he didn't witness. There's nothing you're going through he's not aware of. He sees it from the throne. I wish I had time to tell you about 10,000 times 10,000 angels. You'd be so excited if you could see those angels. They're not stressed out in heaven. They're looking at the future and they know that God God is on the throne. I wish I could tell you about the throne. Is anybody grateful that there's still a throne? Come on, I need you to thank God for the throne. Where mercy reigns. Where love rules. I'll tell you about the throne. I would tell you about how from the throne of God, John heard the peals of an earthquake and the flashing of lightning and the rumble of thunder that came from the throne because that lets me know that God is awesome and when he stomps his foot and when he puts his foot out the earth shakes John said I saw the future from the throne and it changed the way I thought about it and now I would like for you to stand because I'm closing my message, and I'm closing my series, but I want to tell you my favorite thing about the throne, and this is for all of you who have anxiety in your heart about your future, okay? What's going to happen to you? What's going to happen? Faith is anticipation minus anxiety. Faith gives me the ability to say, whatever's next, I'm ready. Look ahead, get above, and step aside. Because John said, I saw a throne, and watch this. This is my favorite part. This is my message. This is my message. This is my message. Ready? Verse 2. I saw a throne with someone sitting on it. And here's the good news. There is a throne. Someone is on it. And it's not you. Why don't you clap over that? You've been staying up late worrying about how it's going to happen. But God just gave you an overview. He wanted to let you know about your future. I rule. I reign. I am. I rule. I reign. I am. I was. I am. And I will be. Forevermore. There is a throne. I'm not on it. And whatever is on the throne of heaven needs to be enthroned in my heart. 
So if Christ is enthroned in heaven and nothing that happens on earth happens without his permission and his purpose, then that means there are some things that are on the throne of my heart that have to go. So, look at fear. How long has fear been on the throne in your life? You need to make an announcement to fear, and you need to do it today. And tell fear, get off the throne. This seat is taken. You got it? And don't ask nicely. This seat belongs to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Come on, lift your hands. His presence is here. Enthrone it in your praise. Some of you need to look at failure. You've been dominated too long by what's behind you. God brought you here to give you an overview of your future. I hope you're standing. The king is here. I hope you got your hands lifted. I hope you got your hopes high. The king is here. We enthrone you on our grace. Feeling? Get off the throne. Selfishness? Get off the throne. He who is and was and is to come. I want to ask you a question. It's an important one, so I want you to really consider it. What's stopping you from moving forward in the ways that God has called you to move forward? And how can you find that next step of faith to take? Sometimes we just feel stuck. Sometimes we just need a push. Well, I've got a push for you today. So many times we overcomplicate it. We think, well, I have to do this and get that together if I was really going to grow in my faith and be what God has called me to be. And then we make a list of my law. Right. What if all God wanted from you today was one next step? Hmm. What if all you had to do was respond in faith and God would do the rest? I believe that's absolutely true. Yeah. And if you feel stuck, we have a great resource for you that will show you a practical and understandable way to live your faith on a daily basis. All right, so I want, I want you to get this. Functional Faith. It's a seven-part series on faith that works. Right. This is a practical plan for being effective in your daily walk with Christ, and I want to share it with you today. Yeah, and the best part about this resource is it's more than sermons. We're still receiving testimonies of how through this series, God is changing hearts and releasing people to a simple but effective life of faith. You know, we can get all of the biblical knowledge in the world, but faith is not about a formula. Right. What we need is to take action with the knowledge we already have, to take a step. And when you take a step of faith, God will meet you there. I want you to take a step today. Request a series, functional faith. Get full of the Word of God. Get inspired to action. Get ready for what God has next in your life. I want you to call right now. Don't put it off. If you sit around and think about it, and maybe I'll do it later. i get some things to do. No, no, that's the old you. Right now is your time to take action. Request this functional faith series today. It's a seven-part teaching. It's so much more than a teaching, though. It's a practical guide to get your faith in shape and see all that God has put in your heart come to pass. And we're going to send it to you with your gift of any amount to the ministry. Call now. Go online. We can't wait to get this resource to you. And here's some more details. You need a faith that works in the real world and in the midst of your specific challenges. It's time to live in a way that brings spiritual practices into your day-to-day. 
we would like to equip you with functional faith, a comprehensive seven-part teaching series that Pastor Stephen Burgett shared in his own church. Through this series, you can learn how to experience faith in a new and tangible way. Faith doesn't take the weight off of my life. It shows me how to handle it. My faith is not hostage to the outcome. My, my faith is an outlook. And to help you fully integrate these practical lessons, you'll also receive reminder bracelets to wear and share to illustrate Pastor Frederick's process for reframing life situations and more. To receive your copy of Functional Faith with your gift of any amount to this ministry, call or go online to stephenfredick.com now. The unknown. 
faith nation be impacted eternally because, Father, we heard from you here. You are born with possibilities. You are not born to stay where you are. You were born to rise above. You were born to come up higher. You were born to multiply the gifts and talents that are inside you. The people who succeed, they keep on failing, but they keep getting back up. They're not afraid to keep moving forward, and therefore they keep growing further and further towards success. Hi, I'm Paul. Almost 10 years ago, my dad, my hero, my pastor passed away unexpectedly. He built a big church and left some pretty large shoes to fill. When he died, I didn't just lose my dad. I lost my faith. I lost my purpose and my future. But God showed up and restored my faith. He gave me a message of hope to share with you. You're here on purpose. God's not finished with you yet. Your best days are right in front of you, and you have victory in your life because Jesus lives in you. The word today is you are made for more. You are made for more. Anybody in this room feel like there's more than what you're doing right now, that God has more than what you've seen so far? Well, in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is telling this parable to uh, a bunch of followers. And he pulls everyone together in verse 14, and he says, The kingdom of God is like this story. It's a story about this master who had a lot of money, and he was going away on a long trip. And he pulled three of his servants together, and he said, This, this servant, you're going to have five bags of silver. This servant, I'm going to give you two bags of silver. And to the last servant, he gave one bag of silver. Now, he went away on this long trip, and while he was gone... Each servant decided what they were going to do with that bag of silver that they had been given. So when the master returned, he said, what did you do? There was coming an account. They had to give an account of what they did with what he gave them. Can I tell you this today? We will all give an account of what we do with our time on this earth. 2017, we will give an account to God of what we did with this year. He's given us a bag of silver, and he's saying, what are you going to do with this brand new year that I've given you? So each one of them, they reported to the master. The one with five, he said, listen, I invested what you gave me, and I multiplied it. Everybody said multiply. Multiply means more. It means I took what you gave, but I didn't maintain it. I doubled it. I multiplied it. I made more for you than what you gave me. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in the small. Now I'm going to give you many more responsibilities. Everybody say more. So here's a man who starts with some, he makes more of what he has, then the king says, I'm going to give you even more from that. So there's this progression of more and more. Jesus says, this is the kingdom of God. It's not a kingdom, we don't serve a backwards God, we don't serve a God who digresses, we don't serve a God who demotes, we don't serve a God who causes you to go in, in less and less. He's a God of abundance, right? We serve a God who wants to do more and more in you and through you. So the second servant comes and he says, listen, you gave me two bags of silver. I invested it. I doubled it. I made even more for you. Here's two more bags. The master said the same thing. Well done, now good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with the small. Now I'm going to give you many more responsibilities. 
Notice that the first two guys both got the same answer. Even though one had been given more than the other, they both got the same response from the master. The master was pleased with what they did with what they had. You may not have been given as much as the person next to you, but it doesn't matter. If you use what you got, God is pleased with you, and he wants to give you even more. Now, the third servant, he came to the master and said, Listen, I know you're a harsh master. You harvest crops you didn't plant. You take in things you didn't cultivate. You, you, you take all this stuff, so listen, I hid that one bag of silver you gave me, and here it is, safe and sound, the one bag you gave me. You can almost feel the, the master boiling, trying to figure out, what in the world were you thinking? You did nothing with what I gave you. At least you could have put it in a bank. You could have gained some interest. What in the world? And then he says this, take that bag and give it to the man who multiplied what he had. And he says this in verse 29. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given to them. They will have an abundance. Everybody say abundance. I believe this is a year where God is ready to open the windows of heaven and give you an abundance in the thing that he's called you to do, the gifts, the dreams, the prayers, the desires, the wishes. God is not just wanting to give you what you need. He's wanting to bring what you want, but he wants to see if you'll use what he's already put in your hand. He says they will have an abundance, but for those who do nothing with what I've given them, even what little they have will be taken away. Some in this room might say, well, that's not fair. That's not fair. Well, it's not fair that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and he took hell for us. And he took the punishment that we deserve, which would have been fair, but he took it upon himself and he's given us fresh mercy. So in return, God expects us to multiply what he's put in our hands. This is a year that you are made for more than what you've done in the past years. I used to think that people were born with certain natural abilities, natural capacities. I used to think, man, AJ, this guy, he is born with like a level 7, level 8, level 9 capacity out of 10. Uh, Ashley, she's born with this certain level of capacity. People like Ron McIntosh, Rod Baker, look at people out in the world that are changing the world. I mean, Steve Jobs, he was like a level 10 leader. Bill Gates, he's just a level 10. These guys are born with intelligence. They're born with their capacity. And can I tell you, that's a myth. That is a myth. Because you are not born with limitations. You are born with possibilities. You are not born to stay where you are. You were born to rise above. You were born to come up higher. You were born to multiply the gifts and talents that are inside you. Me and Ashley, we have two dogs. One of those dogs, PJ, he is rambunctious. He is energetic. He is all over the place. He's excited. But when he gets outside... He can sniff a squirrel. He can sniff some sort of animal in our yard, and he immediately starts going towards those animals. This last uh, Christmas break, I went hunting with some friends, and the same type of dog that I have at my house was out there, and he was looking for quail. This dog would run up on certain quail cubbies where there was birds there, and his tail would lift high up in the air. And I asked the hunter who lived out there, I said, how did you train your dog to do this? He said, the more he's in the environment he's supposed to be in, the more he trains himself to do what he's called to do. And the question I have for you is, is the environment you're in limiting the gifts that are inside you? Because you were made for more. My dog has a gifting, a calling, maybe one day. 
But there's certain giftings and callings inside you. And God's wanting to see those giftings and callings be released and multiplied in your time on this earth. I think about a quote from Miles Monroe. Miles Monroe is now in heaven, but he said something I'll never forget when he came to speak at Victory. He said, the wealthiest place in the world is the graveyard. Because it is there where dreams that were never released, desires that never came forth, have been buried into the ground. Businesses that were supposed to start never got started. Books that were supposed to be written never got written. Things that people were called to do, but they sat lazily on the sidelines and watched everybody else do it, thinking, maybe I'm made for more, but maybe I'm just born with this capacity. Maybe I'm just born to sit on the sidelines. You are not born to sit on the sidelines. You were born for more. There's a story about these three boys that used to walk every day to school and the route that they would take. There was a high wall next to this route. And every day they would look at this high wall and they would think to themselves, I wonder what's on the other side of the wall. I wonder what's on the other side of the wall. And each day they'd be walking past this wall and they'd be talking to themselves. One day this boy, one of the three friends, he just his curiosity grew so strong. And so he took his cap off and he threw it over the wall. And his two friends looked at him and they said, what are you doing? And he said, now I've got to go over the wall to see what's on the other side. And his two friends were watching him starting to climb. They'd never done this before. And they thought to themselves, we don't want to just hear about this secondhand, what's on the other side. We want to see it for ourselves. See, when one person takes a stand, often others start to jump on that train. So these two boys, they took their caps off. They threw it over the wall, and they followed their friend. They started to climb. And I bet everybody here would love to know what was on the other side of the wall. But that's not the moral of the story. The moral of the story is you've got to go see it for yourself. What's on the other side of the wall? John F. Kennedy, he used that story when he got up in front of the United States of America, and he said, we're going to outer space. We're going into space, and we're going to see what's on the other side of the wall. What was he doing? He was stretching the capacity for what man could do. He was stretching the capacity. Did you know scientists have, have made this statement? They've said most humans only use 10% of their potential. Most humans only use 10% of the capacity that God has put on the inside of them. See, I truly believe that when Adam was in the garden in the book of Genesis and he was naming every animal, hippopotamus, duck, alligator, crocodile, where did he get these names from? He was operating on a high level of intelligence. He was operating at 100% of his capacity. He was cultivating the garden. He was cultivating the land. He was operating on a high level of his potential. And I want to challenge you today that God wants you to throw your cap over the wall this year to see what he can do in you and through you. I want to challenge you this year to use your words to shape your destiny, to speak prophetically over where your life is headed. Genesis chapter 1, God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Let there be land, and there was land. As God spoke, it came to pass. God has given us that same creative ability with our words. Can you ever feel like there is more in store for you than what you're doing right now? Or have you ever wondered why the gifts and talents you possess were put inside you? There's good news. God created you without limitations. You were not born to stay where you are. You were born with possibilities. You were born to rise above. You were born for more. 
In Pastor Paul's new mini-book, Born for More, you will discover how to break the limits of your environment to find how God used success and multiply the gifts and talents that are inside you. Born for More will give you the practical tools you need and the confidence to know that God's purpose for your life is greater than you could ever imagine. No matter what your past holds, you can be sure that God's purpose and promises guarantee that you were born for more. Discover your limitless life with Pastor Paul's new mini-book, Born for More. Get your free copy today and our gift to you by calling 1-800-760-2360 or visit us online at paulbility.org. How are we this year going to rise to that potential? How are we going to start living our best days yet? How are we going to live the more that God has in store for us? Number one, we've got to raise our thinking. We've got to raise our mindset higher. There's a story about this little boy who was fishing, and he was right on the bank of this river, and he was casting his fishing line in there. And an older man was watching from afar, and he was fishing. And all of a sudden, this little boy caught a huge bass. I mean, I'm talking a big old bass. And this older man runs over to him. He says, that's amazing. What a great catch. And right as he's saying this, the little boy unhooks it and throws it back into the river. And the older man says, what are you doing? You just caught a whopper. Why did you throw it back in? He said, my frying pan is only nine inches. <laughs> and this is the way a lot of us think. God's trying to give us God-sized opportunities but our frying pan is only nine inches. We don't have the mental capacity to believe that he wants to open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that we don't have room enough to contain. Church, we serve in Ephesians 3.20, God, exceedingly, abundantly, above anything you could hope, ask, dream, or imagine. If you were to tell me when I was 24 years old, that I would be pastor in this church, and the future would be beaming into millions of households through the Hillsong Channel, I would have laughed at you, because I wouldn't have believed it. But do you know this, that the more we obey God and follow God and expand our thinking, the more he starts dropping opportunities that are beyond our capacity, and he says, it's time to come up higher. You were born for more. I've got more in store for your company, for your family, for your marriage, for your business, for your ministry for your dreams, this year some of you that have never gone on a mission trip are going to go on your first mission trip. You say, but Paul, I don't have the money. Stop thinking about the limitations. Start thinking about the possibilities. This year, some of you business people, you're going to multiply your money. You're going to double what you made last year in your sales. You're going to have higher profits. You're going to employ more people. You're going to give more into the kingdom of God. You say, but Paul, I don't see it. I don't see it. You've got to start Raising your level of thinking. John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now think about that in the mental capacity. That the devil wants to steal your hope, he wants to kill your capacity, and he wants to destroy your potential. And how he does that is he gets in your mind and he says, You're unqualified, you're not good enough. You screwed up last year. You made too many mistakes. You've ruined your marriage. You've ruined your chances of having a healthy future. You're not going to get healed. And so the enemy tries to kill your confidence, tries to kill your mental capacity to believe this is your year for miracles. This is your year for breakthroughs. But at the same time that the devil's trying to kill your potential, Jesus is trying to breathe life, and he says, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. Jesus is saying, come on, trust me. 
don't let those negative thoughts build up in your mind. This is a year to detox the negative thoughts. Detox those negative thoughts. Cast those thoughts down. Romans chapter 8 says, if God is for me, who can be against me? It says that I'm more than a conqueror. It says that he's raised me up and seated me in heavenly places. Psalm 139, David said, I'm a masterpiece made in the image of God, fearfully and wonderfully made. Jeremiah 29:11 says that the plans God has for me are plans to prosper me, to give me hope and a future. What are we doing? We're raising our thinking. When you come to church, this is something we want to do at Victory. We want to raise your thinking that your best days are still in front of you, that God's not finished with you yet, that God's mercy covers your past, showers your present, and empowers your future. This year, the currency of God is mercy. He's dealing it. He's giving it out. Mercy, new every morning. But you've got to get your mind lined up. Lord, I thank you. I have the mind of Christ. Just say that with me. I have the mind of Christ. You don't have a mind of defeat. You don't have the mind of a victim. You have the mind of a victor. You walked into victory today. Let your mind just be detoxed of that victim mentality, that defeated mentality. So many people, they never rise to their potential because they think that God is mad at them. They think that God is disappointed in them. So many people think that God is a mean God, that God wants us to be poor, that God wants us to be defeated, that God wants us to live under the circumstances. And my question to them is, what Bible translation are you reading? Because you better get a hold of the right translation. My Bible says that God wants us to be overcomers. My Bible says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My Bible doesn't say that I'm a victim. My Bible says that I'm a victor through Christ Jesus. My Bible says the greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. My Bible says to bear much fruit this year, to be successful, to be productive. God is interested in you succeeding this year. He did not put us on this earth to be problemists. He put us on this earth to be solutionists. He didn't put us on this earth to think low. And by the way, the way you think drives the way that you behave. So if you think small, you behave small. If you think little, you dream little. If you think on a lower level then you live on a lower level. So when big opportunities come by, you say, well, my frying pan's only nine inches. I can't handle that opportunity, Pastor Paul. God can't use me. I come from the wrong family. Paul, I'm unqualified. My family's made so many mistakes. You know the family that Jesus came through was super jacked up. I mean, his ancestry had so many bad people through his family line, and God used every single one of them. You've got to take off those men. Blockades and limitations. Number two, this year, if you're going to start living your best days, living the more that God has for you, you've got to define your success. Define your success. Howard Thurman said this quote. He said, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it. Because what the world needs are people who have come alive. I love that. I remember reading that in a book, Wild at Heart, when I was in college. Because to me, I always thought success meant I had to impress the people around me. I had to do something that they were going to think was successful. Can I tell you today, if God's called you to be a plumber, then you be the best plumber you can be out there, and you are an incredible success. If God's called you to be a teacher, be the best teacher you can be. Because what would be unsuccessful is you being someone that you're not supposed to be and making tons of money doing it, but then getting at the end of your life and God saying, I gave you this gift and you never used it. I gave you this dream and you despised it. 
in college, there were people that had an unhealthy view of success. I was one of those people. And we would surround, we would sit around and we would talk about, you got to do these big things and you got to be like this person to be successful. And then I started realizing that success is obeying God's calling on your life. That's the bottom line of success is obeying what God has called you to do. God measures success not the way the world measures success. God measures, but, but God loves success. In fact, in John chapter 15, verse 8, he said, My true disciples bear much fruit. So Jesus said, I want you to be productive. I don't want you to bear a little bit of fruit. I don't want you to just survive or exist. I want you to bear much fruit. I want you to be successful at what I've called you to be successful in. God measures success in two ways. Who you're becoming and what you're doing with what he's given you. Who you're becoming. Are you becoming more like Jesus? The dictionary defines success as hitting your target, hitting what you're aiming for. My question for you today is, what are you aiming for this year? What are you aiming for this year? Ashley and I, we decided last year we were going to define success. We were going to write it down. You can't take ground on what you haven't written down. Now, back in Chapter 2, it says, write the vision down. Make it plain. So Ashley, she wrote it on her mirror, the things she wanted to do. I wrote it in my journal. I kept it in my office. I kept it in my desk. I had it in my car. Things that I was believing to do in 2016. Can I tell you, we accomplished almost every single thing that we wrote down. Can you do that this year? Write down the things that God's called you to accomplish. Maybe God's calling you this year to spend more time in your Bible. Maybe success for you this year is losing 20 pounds. Maybe success for you this year is just getting back into healthy eating, having a diet. Write it down. Circle that target, put the bullseye on there, and start moving towards that direction. Little by little. It's not going to happen overnight. It's going to be a process. It may take the whole year. But as you start moving towards that target, then you know at the end of the year, I hit my success. I, I succeeded at what God called me to do. King David was about to die, and he brought his son Solomon into his room. He said, Solomon, let me tell you how to be successful. Let me tell you how to succeed no matter where you are or what you do. And in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 3, he said these words to his son. He said, do what the Lord your God commands. Follow his teachings. Obey everything written in the law of Moses. Then you will be a success. There it is right there. Then you will be a success, no matter what you do or where you go. See, success is a moving target for most of us. Every year there's new targets that we want to hit. Maybe there's things we want to do differently last year, this year than we did last year. The target I had as a teenager is different than the target that I have today. But there's one target that remains the same, and that is obey God. Obey God this year. Follow what God's calling you to do. Step out. Throw your hat over the wall and start moving in the direction that God's called you to go. There's more in store for your future than what you're seeing right now. But you've got to be obedient. Number three, master your mouth this year. Master your mouth. <laughs> Some of us in this room, we got a we got a dirty mouth. <laughs> this is the year that we're gonna master our mouth. We're gonna stop letting words come out of our mouth that are ungodly, that are negative, that are toxic towards our destiny, and we're gonna start speaking words of life. Proverbs eighteen says life and death are in the power of your tongue. So you're either inviting life and potential and possibilities into your life or you're inviting death and discouragement and a sense of lack. I want to challenge you this year to use your words to shape your destiny, 
to speak prophetically over where your life is headed. Genesis chapter 1, God said, let there be light, and there was light. Let there be land, and there was land. As God spoke, it came to pass. God has given us that same creative ability with our words. Lord, this is my best year yet. Lord, I thank you 2017 is going to be my, my most productive year I've ever had. 2017, I'm going to become the best dad. I'm going to become the best husband. I'm going to become the best pastor. I'm going to get better at the gifts and callings as a preacher. You start thinking about the things that you need to grow in and start declaring this is your year to prosper. This is your year to succeed. Stop saying things like, I can't, I won't, I'll never our marriage is always going to be like this. Our family is always going to be like this. Start using your words to shape the destiny that God's called you to walk in. Use your words to speak life over the people around you. You want to live your best days yet? Get your mouth in line with your heart, with the beliefs inside of you, and start declaring the word of God. You were made for more. No matter what things look like around you, no matter how far you've come or how successful you are, God says, I have even more in store for you, even greater capacity, greater potential. God says, I put even greater dreams in your heart that he wants to bring to pass. Maybe you're watching today and you feel like, man, it's impossible. The dreams in my heart, they're, they're too big for me to do, and that's awesome because that means you are allowing God to make himself real in your life, that only God can make it happen. God wants to take the limits off your mind, the limits off your life. He wants to take the ceiling, the lid off, and he wants you to start believing for the impossible. Why don't you pray this prayer with me right now? Say, Jesus, I trust you, and I believe in you, and I believe nothing is impossible through you, Jesus. So, Lord, I surrender my life for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. That prayer right there, Get ready, because you just took the limits off for what God wants to do in and through your life. And I'm telling you, your best days are right in front of you. God is not finished with you yet. You are here on purpose. You are not an accident. And I'm telling you, things are about to turn for the better in your life. Hey, we want you to know about a brand-new mini-book that I just wrote called Born for More. And it's taken from the series I did on my best days. And these chapters in this book are filled with just powerful scriptural stories, personal stories about taking the limits off of what God wants to do in your life. So call the number at the bottom of the screen. Go to our website, pauldoherty.org, or this brand new mini book, Born for More. And we want to send it to you today. We'd love to pray for you and maybe send one to your family or to your kids. Thanks so much for supporting this ministry. Thanks for helping us spread the gospel. People's lives are being impacted because of your generosity. We love you, and we believe your best days are right in front of you. Do you ever feel like there is more in store for you than what you're doing right now? Or have you ever wondered why the gifts and talents you possess were put inside you? There's good news. God created you without limitations. You were not born to stay where you are. You were born with possibilities. You were born to rise above. You were born for more. In Pastor Paul's new mini-book, Born for More, you will discover how to break the limits of your environment to find how God views success and multiply the gifts and talents that are inside you. Born for More will give you the practical tools you need and the confidence to know that God's purpose for your life is greater than you could ever imagine. No matter what your past holds, 
You can be sure that God's purpose and promises guarantee that you were born for more. Discover your limitless life with Pastor Paul's new mini book, Born for More. Get your free copy today as time gets to you by calling 1-800-760-2360 or visit us online at pauldoherty.org. You have ways of thinking walled off in your mind that are keeping you from the life that God wants you to live. If you've missed the first season of Cafe Theology, we've got you covered. Getting practical tools and insight into God's Word. How does the church handle hot-button issues that are fighting Christians both from communities we are supposed to reach and come each other? And stay tuned for season two coming soon. So I would invite you to grab a cup of coffee as we explore God's Word together on Cafe Theology. On the show phone too. Introducing the show phone team box. Monthly subscription it delivers everything to phone directly to your door. I would love you to part of the subscription where we will send you a team box. In other words, every month you'll get all sorts of books, resources, information that will help you to feel like you're part of that team will help us to take this right message forward. Go to telephone.com forward slash team to join today. You are watching the Hillsong Channel. Welcome home. I'm going to do some All right, Lord, I'm going to do everything you do. You are watching. This is not live coming out here today. Welcome, everybody, from wherever you're watching. And today is our day. I was definitely surprised. You know, in this environment, we have plenty of coverage. And then we work together cooperatively. That's where God's image is best expressed. Everybody has stories of love. They can't stop us from moving forward. I want to encourage you to stand tall. Let me tell you a question here. How do I find the right person? My answer is run for God. The whole gift is brought to you today. He's the one who spoke in the universe came. The church is advancing God's protection and God. We've got you covered on the Hillsong Channel. Prayer is the process of becoming spiritually fit to receive from God what He's already willing to do. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. And then this astounding phrase at the end of verse 2. You do not have because you do not ask. Is that true? Is that actually true? So, so I know you believe the Bible. I really get that. And so when I ask you if something in the Bible is true, what are you supposed to say? Is that true? Okay, we'll just set that aside for a moment. I'm convinced of your conviction about the Bible being true. But just hang on for a second. Is that true to your experience? 
you actually, the reason you don't have is because you don't ask. And I've asked a lot. Well, I would like to suggest to you that while it is true, it isn't frequently true for our experience. And the reason is, is because we ask for stupid stuff. The stuff that we're asking for isn't the stuff that he's saying you'd have it if you'd ask. The actual things that we're supposed to want, that we're supposed to long for. So I thought, all right, well, right here, I was making this sermon. I was thinking about you. And I thought to myself, well, right here, I'm going to put in a scripture that I can categorically guarantee that if you ask God for this in any sustained way, you're going to have it. So I was like, oh, okay, i got to come up with one that, um, and actually I had a lot of choices. But I chose Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Here's what it says. It's actually Jesus speaking. And he says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavily burdened, and I will give you rest. Now, I want to just categorically assure you, if you're weary, if you're under the weight of the work that never seems to end, if you're heavily burdened by the things of life, if you go and get alone and kneel down and seek the face of Jesus in any prolonged and repeated way this week, I guarantee you that that will be answered. And if you don't have that this morning, you have not because you ask not. Right? But how many people really pray for that? I mean, the verse goes on and says, take my yoke upon you. You know what a yoke is, right? You know about the yoke? Because it's no joke, the yoke. Do you know about the yoke? So an oxen would have this thing around its neck that would keep it from turning, and there would be like pricks in the interior of the yoke so that if it turned its head and tried to go to a different direction, it would feel pain. It could only go straight ahead. And a lot of times the yokes were built for two oxen to pull a bigger plow to get the field ready for planting. And when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, he's saying, if you want rest for your souls, if you want to be done with the heavily burdened, if you want the true rest, get in this yoke with me. How many people praying for that? Come on, just don't raise your hand or nothing, but true, true analysis. Last time you prayed and sincerely asked the Lord to get you in Jesus' yoke, He goes on to say, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Here, here's, Jesus, here's Jesus' yoke. Ready? No pride. No self-importance. No expectation of others. No disappointment when they hurt you. 
total selflessness. He made himself of no reputation. Complete and total selflessness. How, how, how many people have been fasting and praying for that? God, I want to get to the place where nothing hurts me. Nothing disappoints me. I don't matter at all. I want to be poured out like a drink offering in this world for you and for you alone. Will you get me to the end of myself? I have to say I've been really, really stirred this summer by the title song for the new BCB album. Listen to this little clip of it, Frontiers. God knows how to give good gifts to It's <laughs> 
Enjoy Stingray Music free on your mobile. Yeah. <laughs> 
Father God, we praise our name. Yara Boske de Gosada, we glorify you, Lord. Randil Gosede, we seek your face. Randil Gosada, Skadagosede, Koroshel Gosad, Randil Gosede, we seek the presence of God. Yara Guska and the Gombosa, we seek you, Holy Spirit. Yara Boske de Godaka, Handel Gosede, Shadagoskanda, Harandil Gosede, Shadagumboska, Handel Gosede, Shadagoskanda, Harandil Gosede, Shadagoskanda, let the power come forth. Mm. Let the anointing come forth. Let the power of God enter in. Let the word of God come forth. Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, your Mboskaradaskaraka. Holy Spirit, your Mboskaradeshkaradaka. Thank you, Father God. Randilgo Ho. Yes, Lord. Father God, yes. Ha Kambose. Sharambose. Ha Kambasa. Sharada Harambo. Sharamboke. Sharadra, Sharaka, Sharambeke, Harandeke, Ha, Sharambrandi the Goseke, Ha, Sharandeke, Harandeke the Rokosa, Harandeke the Rokose, Harandeke, Harandeke, Harandeke the Rokosa, Harandeke, Sharabose, Sharakanda. Paradiki, 
Hashkara Deke, Parambose, Parambose Reganda, the Parasheke Shirogosa, Parandeke Shirambosa, the Parandeke Shirogosa, Parandeke Shirambosa, the Parandeke Shirogose, 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 Parandeke Shirogose, Shirogose, Parandeke Shirogose, 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 Parandeke Shirogose, 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 Shiroganda, Yeradokose, Handa, Yeradokose, Handa, Yeradokose, and Deke Shirogosa, Parandeke Shirogose, Parandeke Shirogasa, Parandeke Shirogose, Shirogose, Parandeke Shirogasa, Parandeke Shirogose, 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 Parandeke Shirogosa, and Randigose, Parandeke Shiran Randigosa, Parandeke Shiran Randigose, Shirogose, Shirogose, Parandeke Shirogose, or Rombo Fosa. Thank you, Holy Spirit, Yerobos Kandaka. Thank you, Father God, Randishka Lukosada. Thank you, Holy Spirit, Randiri Lukosata. Thank you, Father God, Boskiri Lukosidi. Harandeke, Odiri Lukosada, Ha, Yeroko, Yaraka. Now, Holy Spirit, we praise thy name. Hmm. Hmm. No small thing. Okay, Lord. Arambo Sada, no small thing. Orobosketiko Sada, no small thing, Father. Rani the Goseshetiki, no small thing, nor yet at the Kombok. Continue to move forward. Press your way through. Continue to increase in my word. Watch as I transform your life. Watch as I move in your life. Watch. Because when I enter in, things change. When I enter in, even the dead begin to come alive. When I enter in, all things must cease and give me the space, give me attention, give me whatever it is, because I am the creator of all things. The waves cease. The wind stops. Whatever I need to transform, I speak it into existence and it begins to manifest. I'm speaking blessings over your life because of the obedience that you've been showing. I'm speaking prosperity over your life because of the obedience that you've been showing. I'm opening up avenues and ways because of the obedience that you've been showing. Let me continue to increase in your life. Let me continue to use you. Let me continue to work in you and through you as I use you to contact and help others. It is my word that is making a difference. I've chosen you to go forth to be the minister. I've chosen you to go forth to do these things because I trust you. Now let me work in you and through you. Continue to walk in the manner that I'm showing you how to walk. My word is arising inside of you to the point that now it controls you. 
it moves you down pathways that you would never go if it was not for me. So you must let me finish what I've started. Yes, I am the author. I am the finisher of your faith. So you must let me finish the course that I have set for your life. You have not missed a beat yet, son. No need for you to start missing it now. Choose me. Continue to let me increase in you. Continue to let me bless you abundantly. You will, tremendous things will happen because uh, my hand is upon your life. And when you set your hand upon that which I tell you to do, it is me working through you. That's the reason for the blessing. It is me working in you. That's the reason for the blessing. It is me speaking through you. That's the reason for the blessing. So you just continue to yield, let me increase in you, and move in the fullness of who I've called you to be, and watch me work all things out in your life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 Still mad at me? I'm talking to you. Yeah, I'm talking to you. You still mad at me? Mm hmm. Crazy animal. All right. Anybody want to pray before I do this? You want to pray that? I want to pray for the food I'm trying to find my I'm going to kill you and I'm going to I'm going to go out there and check them. They don't know who I am. Mess with me. I'm the top cat in this yard. <laughs> Ooh, great. Morgan Farley, you're the one that 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 the the one that the one that the one that the the one that 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 the Oh Jesus. Nick Run the position of 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 the position
is true. Man, I'm going to say she's 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 going to say Rushkara <laughs> Station of the 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 station of the
Tony Brooklyn, the investor, the Yago Sishi, the Sishi, the Sishi, the Sara,
Precious minutes in the families.
Enjoy Stingray music free on your mobile.
song Chris Berg wrote for us called The Joy of the Lord. Down in the soul. Y'all want that? Come on. I need to see somebody jump up on your feet. But I shout the joy of the Lord out in my soul. And it's just like fire in my soul. Hey, a feeling. Get happy. Goes up in my. Oh! 
Thank you. 
y'all have been into some bad relationships. Some of you had your heart broken and you've been lying to you. I want to let you know that there is a love in Jesus. If you will supply your every need, family. Uh-huh. 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 Just hold on.
wanna do when you need a little more break? How you gonna respond when they try to test your faith?
Let that walk you up. Okay. I'm change phones. I'm going to do the reading. I should have stayed down there with the phone. Up to it. I ain't going back down there now. All right, all right, all right. Are you ready to throw down? Yes, I is. All right, peeps. Harumbuskere rakumbuska randego fish and randego sata. Hambroskis. The doggone cat. You know, you just you just getting on my nerves. You, you in the way, all the time. Ah. <sighs> Randigo, Randigo, Saraka, Sedico, Saraka, Sedico, Mboska, Rakomboka, and the Shay. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You are the Komboska, the Kondraska, the Kombaka. Horashiki did the Komboska, the Kondraka Sada. Harandeke, Shirokomboka, Harandeshe, Shirokombo, Harandeshke, the Kondran, the Gosse, Shirogose, 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 Harandigose, Shirogose, Shirogose, Shirogranda. Handra Shirugosa, Horombo, Sharagose, Shandraka, Shirugose, Shindukra, Harandagose, Shirugose. Oh, Lord, Lord, Lord. I just happened to glance at the first sentence. Mm. Oh, Jesus. Yaradoko, Sedated the Gomboska, the Ganda, Sedated the Gosundeke, Handed the Gosashi, the Gosashi, the Gosashi, the Gosanda. Father God, continue to work with your children. Continue to keep us safe in your presence. Lord, in Jesus' name I say amen. Okay. All righty then. I hope Erica's listening because when I see this person, she's going to fall on the floor. Okay. Broadly speaking, broadly speaking, a Christian who has not yet experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit is rather vague about the reality of the spiritual realm. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> he is like the servant of Elisha 
whose eyes were closed to that sphere. He may receive instruction from the Bible, yet his understanding is confined to the mind because he still lacks revelation in the sphere. Okay, Lord, here we go. Look, I got to stop right there. You know, I said a go this kind of the combo, get it the ghost, can run it, go say she to go say she to go most kind of the kind Oh, Lord, you got to help me with this one here. This is so funny. Mm, mm, mm. Okay, I'm going to struggle to read through this without stopping. And then we get into the reread. Okay, I'm, I'm going to try. Because this, this is already getting me. Okay. Okay. But upon experience of baptism, his intuition becomes acutely sensitive, and he discovers in his spirit a spiritual world opening before him. By the experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he not only touches the supernatural power of God, but contacts God's person as well. Now, it's just that it's now it is just there that spiritual warfare begins. This is the period when the power of darkness disguises himself as an angel of light. Keep reading, Sam. And even attempts to counterfeit the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. It is also it is also at the moment when the intuition is made aware of the existence of a spiritual domain and the reality of Satan and his evil spirits. The apostles were taught in the scriptures by the Lord after Calvary, but they were made conscious of the real existence of a spiritual realm following Pentecost. Spirit baptism marks the starting point of spiritual warfare. Oh, Jesus. Come on, keep reading, keep reading, keep reading. Oh, you know, I mean, oh, you know what, Erica? I'm going to copy this, and you give it to your pastor. That's about all I can say. Because mm, he wants spiritual warfare, really. I'm trying to keep my mouth shut. But this, this, this getting, mm. Okay, okay. Mm. Once a believer has contacted the person of God via the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he then has, I'm matter of fact, I'm going to make it, I'm going to copy this, scan it, and email it to you so you can give it to this man. Okay. Once a believer has contacted the person of God via the baptism in the Holy Spirit, he then has his own spirit released. He now senses the reality of the things and beings in the spiritual domain. <clears throat> With such knowledge, and let us call to mind that the knowledge of a spiritual man does not accrue to him all at once. Some of it may, and usually does, come through many trials. He encounters Satan. Only those who are spiritual perceive the reality of the spiritual foe and hence engage in battle, Ephesians 6 and 12. Such warfare is not fought with the arms of the flesh, 2 Corinthians 10 and 4. Because the conflict is spiritual, so must the weapons. It is a struggle between the spirit of man and that of the enemy, an engagement of spirit with spirit. 
Before he arrives at such a juncture in the spiritual walk, the child of God neither understands nor can he engage in the battle of the spirits. Only after his inner man has been strengthened by the Holy Spirit does he know how to wrestle with the adversary in his spirit. As he spiritually advances, he begins to discover the reality of Satan and his kingdom, and then it is that he is given to understand how to resist and attack the foe with his spirit. The reason for such conflict are many. With the enemy's tactic of attack and blocking constituting the greatest, Satan frequently unsettles the emotions of the physical bodies of spiritual believers. Or he blocks the works of the spiritual ones, or he may disturb their environments. (laughs) Okay, I'm, I'm almost there. I got a page. I got a page. I got a page. The need to fight for God forms still another reason for this warfare. As Satan plots in the air and works on earth against God, so his people fight back with spiritual power, destroying the enemy's plots and plans through their prayers. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Though at times saints do not know for sure what Satan's scheme is, nor what he is doing at the moment, they nevertheless continue to press the fight with no let up, for they understand who the antagonist is. Oh, really, God? Come on, give me the strength, Lord. I'm almost... Okay, okay, we can do this. Mm, mm, mm. Father God. Mm. Beyond the above two explanations, spiritual compact has for existence yet another cause the need to be delivered from Satan's deception and to deliver deceived souls. Mm. 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 In spite of the fact that their spirit's intuition becomes sharp and sensitive after they are baptized in the Holy Spirit, believers may nonetheless fall into deception. To preclude their plunging into the wiles of the adversary, They need not only spiritual sensitivity, but also spiritual knowledge. Should they be ignorant of the manner in which the Holy Spirit leads, they may assume a passive position and thereby become captives of the enemy. The easiest error Christians can commit at this moment is to follow some irrational feeling or experience Experience, rather than the leading in the inner man. Once baptized in the Holy Spirit, they have entered the supernatural realm. Unless believers appreciate their own weakness, that is, know how incompetent they are in themselves to encounter the supernatural, they shall be deceived. The Christian spirit can be influenced by either of two forces, the Holy Spirit or the evil spirit. He commits a fatal blunder who thinks his spirit can be controlled solely by the Holy Spirit and not be so by the evil spirit too. Let it be forever known that aside from the spirit that is from God, there is a dish. Oh, shut up. Come on now. 
There is additionally the spirit of the world. Share out for kid did it on both Karadanda Father God. Ooh, come on, Sam. You're almost there. You're almost there. You got a good two paragraphs. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. Nah, Jesus. Share the combo, scared the gandash, got the go, did they did the combo, can run the go, say, should the gandaka, put a shed to go, Sandeke, should the gombasa, Father God. Okay. When a child of God becomes so spiritual, he is subject to the influence of the supernatural world. At this point, it is vital for him to know the difference between spiritual and supernatural, the confusion of which forms the cause of many deceptions. Mm. Spiritual experiences are those which originate with the believer's experience, while those of the supernatural may not necessarily come from there. Okay. They may arise from physical senses or from the solical sphere. A Christian I'll never interpret a supernatural experience as always being a spiritual one. He should examine his experience and determine whether they enter through the outer sensual organs or come via the inner spirit. Whatever emanates from outside, however supernatural it may be, is never spiritual. The Lord's saints should not receive everything supernatural unquestionably, for Satan, too, can perform supernatural deeds. No matter how the feeling is during the moment of experience, nor how the phenomena appears or declares itself to be, believers should investigate its source. The charge of John, 1 John 4 1 must be strictly observed. Beloved, do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are of God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. The counterfeits of the adversary often exceed the believer's expectation. Mm. If the Lord's people will humble themselves by admitting that deception is quite possible to them, they will be less deceived. Because of the counterfeits of the enemy, spiritual warfare looms inevitable unless with their spirit soldiers of Christ take to the field to meet the foe, they should find him coming in to suppress their spiritual strength. In spiritual conflict, the spirit of the Christian wars against the enemy's evil spirit. Now, should the Christian be deceived already, then he fights to regain his freedom. If not, then he strives to rescue others and to prevent the foe from attacking. He takes the positive stance of subjugating the enemy by opposing every one of Satan's plans and works. Okay, let me just pray for a minute. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father God, just open up and reveal. That's all I can say. Open up and reveal, Holy Spirit. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I definitely need to get a copy of this to you, Erica, so you can give it to your pastor. I will try as soon as after the call to copy it and get it to you so you can get it to him. That's all I'm going to say. I think it would be better than me taking a picture 
let's go back. Broadly speaking, a Christian who has not yet experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit is rather vague about the reality of the spiritual realm. Okay, right there. First you get baptized. That means you've received. I'm, okay, I'm going to... I'm not just talking about water baptism. I'm talking about the point where you accept salvation. That's when your spirit becomes alive. To God, not to the world, to God. So that's the beginning stage. Now he's talking about the next stage, being baptized in the spirit. That means, you know, being full of the spirit, baptized in the spirit, speaking in other tongues. What does the word say with evidence of speaking in other tongues? He says, broadly speaking, a Christian who has not yet experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit is rather vague about the reality of the spiritual realm. You got all these people trying to tell you about tongues and this, that, and the other, and they don't clueless. I had a conversation, yes, well, one day this week, I guess it was Tuesday. The caretaker was here and messed with me. She said something. And you know how I do to quit, keep from cussing or saying, and I go, Randy, go sit there. So I started going, Randy, go sit there. And then she started, uh, actually, somebody else started going, Randy, go sit We were going back and forth. She said, Y'all ain't praying. Daddy ain't, mm-hmm. Y'all don't know what you're doing. And I just started laughing to myself. I'm like, You just don't even. I didn't even try to go down. People, it's your spirit talking to God. Do you even understand what prayer is? Prayer is communication. Didn't he break down what prayer was yesterday? Communication? So, again, but see, people who don't know are constantly trying to tell you what you what that you're wrong. They don't even, they're clueless. But we receive this and let them pull us away from the, you see, mm, Unless you become baptized in the Holy Spirit, speak in other tongues, and you practice it. And I say practice it purposely because you have to get to the point that you begin to flow. If you're doing it every blue moon, if you're doing it when the Holy Spirit just builds up because of so many people, that's okay. I'm not knocking it. But until you get to the point that you're actually practicing it and you begin to flow with it, then you're not really getting an understanding of what the capability. You're cutting your power source. <sighs> I'm just going to keep reading. Broadly speaking, a Christian who has not yet experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit is rather vague about the reality of the spiritual realm. He is like the servant of Elisha whose eyes were closed to that sphere. Now, nah, okay. For those who may not know, when they, Elisha and his servant, I think it was Gehazi, Gehazi, whatever his name were, the, the soldiers came to take them wherever. And the servant looked out of the window, and he came back. He was terrified because he said, we're surrounded. The soldiers are here. And Elisha said, go back and look again. And when he went back and looked again, he saw the spiritual soldiers that were surrounding the natural soldiers. And for them, I believe I remember correctly, God blinded them, and then Elisha led, led them to somewhere else. 
outside of where they want to go, then that's when they quit bothering. You know, you can look and you can get an understanding of that story in so many ways. But bottom line, where is your focus? Where is your connection? Where is your trust? I went fishing the other day. Um, it's like a little back back place, and I went down there with my neighbor. She was scared to go. It's going to be dark down here. Ain't no light. I was just as comfortable. I was catching fish. I finally left it about 10. I was just comfortable. I could understand what you're saying, but it's like, you know what? I'm 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 protected. I'm cool. And I, 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 I left about 10. And sometimes I had to get a little settled myself. And I was like, what am I worried about? I ain't worried about nothing. But I recognize my protection. Now, am I trying to say I'm going to just walk out here and do anything there? No, dog, uh-uh. Don't, don't, don't do that, because then again, we were talking about you walking in you. Again, you got to stay connected. You got to constantly flow. What do we say? The moment that you stop being led by the Spirit, then you're being led by yourself. The moment, not a day or two later, no, because one source is going to lead you, either your power or the Holy Spirit's power. He's like the servant of Elisha whose eyes were closed to that sphere. He may receive instructions from the Bible, yet his understanding is confined to the mind because he still lacks revelation in the spirit. His understanding is confined to the mind because he still lacks revelation in the spirit. That's why we read the Bible and we struggle with it because we don't have the Holy Spirit revealing it to us. Uh, uh, uh. Mm, mm, mm. But upon experience of baptism, his intuition becomes acutely sensitive, and he discovers in his spirit a spiritual world opening before him. By the experience of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, he not only touches the supernatural power of God, but contacts God's person as well. Who's God's person? The Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to be real. Most of us might don't really want to go into this realm. And, you know, uh, me and Eric was talking earlier today. You know, you kind of get to a point that, yeah, God, I hear you, but I don't want to hear you, but I'm going to listen anyway because a variety of different things. I mean, I'm very honest with you, you know. You start talking supernatural. It's good to maybe look at them on a movie, but to, to really walk it and to begin to move and to see in it, most people don't want to deal with it. But like I told you the other day, the bottom line is that world is what affects this world. That world is what makes things happen in this world. So whether or not you choose to have your eyes open to see is up to you. But the reality is it's there. So now you can begin to see and let God instruct you and grow you up. Because what the TDJ said, those things that make this life work, it's those things in the spiritual arena, people. So we either learn and, and grow up in it or, or it pushes us around. That's just the bottom line of it. So I understand about us not really wanting to see and why we hesitate, why we have blockages about why... Because it's our flesh, it's our mind. We, we, we truly, no, I'm good. I'm good. 
But you're going to reach a point in your walk where your good ain't good enough. You're going to reach a point where you know what you're going to have to go there in order for you to get through what you're dealing with. Now, it is just there that spiritual warfare begins. This is the period when the power of darkness disguises himself as an angel of light and even attempts to counterfeit the person in the work of the Holy Spirit. You know what? See, now, Andre and Erica, last night, when we started talking about cancer cells, I read this. That's the first thought that went through my mind. I said, oh, my God. Y'all gonna just have to wait till next week till we get on that subject there. Yeah, uh huh. You got you got a little pre what's that epilogue or prelogue? But that that it is at this point spiritual warfare begins. This is a period when the power of darkness disguises himself as an angel of light, and even attempts to counterfeit the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Oh God. Mm. See, why do I talk about learning the voice of God for yourself? Because this is going to happen. Me and Eric again was talking, and we're talking about, you know, where we're like the point now. I Okay, I, I'll tell you. Then when they got on me yesterday, and see, I've learned that when a child of God says something to me, I may or may not see it at that time, but I just put it on the shelf. So they said some things to me. I'm like, okay, well, I don't see that right now. Truth be told, I was driving, and then my mind started to go down there, and I said, no, Lord, I don't want to hear that. And as soon as I did it, I started laughing. I said, that's exactly what they was talking about. I can do number laugh. I said, okay, Lord. See, you got to begin to learn the voice of God for yourself because... Because the enemy's coming. He's coming. And if you don't know God's voice for yourself, you're going to miss it. Now, me and Erica was talking, and she was saying that we'll say some things to people, or some people things said to us, and that might not happen at that point in time. But then it happens later on, we go, okay, it was right. Or we'll say some things, and then something doesn't manifest, and we'll make a check in ourselves. Okay, Lord, that that's me. I didn't totally get all what I got. See, that's why the Word of God says we know in part, we prophesy in part. But again, this is the training mechanisms that you got to go through. But if you don't ever open your mouth and talk, then you're going to miss it. If you don't ever step out on what God telling you to do, you're going to miss it. But then just talking all the time and getting it either. You got to learn to hear and understand when it's God talking and when it's not. And th- again, uh, the Holy Spirit wants you to understand the difference, so He trains you accordingly. Sometimes you just need to shut your mouth because you're running your mouth and it ain't got nothing to do with God. It really don't. But God, what does, it, what does it say? That the word of God is what separates the spirit from the soul. So, again, why am I telling you to talk in tongues, talk in tongues, talk in tongues? So he can begin to build up more and more inside of you so that he can flow out of you more and you can flow out of you less. 
But you got to exercise your faith. You got to put this thing in, in application because this is the thing. As you keep talking and talking, talking and talking, you're building that spirit man up. You're edifying. I, look, you're going to get to a point where you're going to not just talk. You're going to have to talk and walk at the same time. What do I mean talk and walk? That means you're going to be doing things. Because, you know, if you just sitting there, sitting there, sitting there, sitting there, after a while, God going to say, look, you know what? Because we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Understand me when I'm saying this. He's going to say, now nah, at this point, you're being disobedient and rebellious. That means you're really not doing what I told you to do because you're choosing to sit when I'm telling you to get up and move. So I'm going to allow you to sit. I'll be back. Now you're finding yourself really struggling to, to get in contact and his press because you weren't obedient to do what he called you to do. Now, there are certain times when there are windows, okay, people? See, this, this is grand stuff that I'm talking about here. There are windows of opportunity that avail of themselves that you need to move. You simply need to just take your stuff, get up and move into that arena, and then do what you got to do. What do I mean by that? Two, Father God. Here's this door opening up for me. I don't have everything together, Lord. But Lord told me to get up and go through that door. Lord, I don't have everything together. So I'm so busy trying to put everything together, that door starts to go. But wait a minute, wait a minute. That door, what, the door closed now? No. Grab your stuff, everything that you got. Walk through that door. See, you got to learn to be more obedient to God than you. See, this is a God thing. You got to learn to be more obedient to God and trust him. It's a God thing in a sense that he intends for you to walk in lack because when you walk in lack, you're walking, in your, you're walking out of yourself and you're walking more in him. So he's training you to be less dependent upon yourself and more dependent on him. So he'll, he'll purposely have you go through that door unprepared as far as you know because you don't know what's on that other side. But I can guarantee he's going to have you go through that door. And when you go through that door, you will have, you will take everything that you need. Or when you get over there, you will find the other components. But you're so busy over here trying to get it together, you're going to miss that door. Then God's going to say, well, okay, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm God, I'm merciful, but that window right there, that's gone. I'm five or ten years. We'll see what we can do. Again, this is how this thing called this is this whole supernatural process that that this, this we're talking about here that governs the affairs of this life. Ooh, Father God. Mm, mm, mm. Woo. Now it is just there the spiritual warfare begins. This is the period when the powers of darkness disguise themselves as an angel of light and even attempts to counterfeit the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. It is also the moment when the intuition is made aware of the existence of a spiritual domain and of the reality of Satan and his evil spirits. Mm. Well, I mean, if I ain't cut you enough, I'm about to cut some of y'all right now. See, that's another reason some of y'all don't, y'all struggling to speak in tongues because inside of your, yourself, you know that this is real. And, and it's it's very, very real, and you don't want to look at it. You don't want to deal with it, so you're staying stuck in yourself because that's the shandranadagot that you're familiar with rather than going to the unfamiliar randranadagot sada. 
In other words, that's that pile of vomit that you're used to because it's your own vomit. You prefer to stay in your own sink than rather than go to that new place to sink because, see, that's a new pile of vomit that you're unfamiliar with. Because you get to a point that this stuff is real. Because your spirit man is saying, yep. And your soul is saying, yep. And I don't want to deal with it. So I'm going to purposely. Ooh, now we. Ooh, mm, ooh, here we go, here we go. Now my subconscious. I'm going to get a little Ericaism here. My subconscious mind is going to find ways to purposely block me from doing that which I need to do so that I can align up with the enemy and my flesh to not propel me forward into the things of God. Ba-bam. Oh, Lord Jesus Christ. Mm, mm, mm. And we wonder why we stuck. And then we say, well, I'm trying. No, the hell you ain't. You're lying to yourself. Okay. Maybe I just need to keep reading. Father God, it is at this moment when the intuition, because the intuition knows, hey, 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 let's go. It's aware. It's alive now. But your flesh is saying, nope, don't want to do it. Nope, ain't going to do it. Nope, not me. Intuition is made aware of the existence of a spiritual domain and the reality of Satan and his evil spirits. The apostles were taught in the scriptures by the Lord after Calvary, but they were made conscious of a real existence of the spiritual realm following Pentecost. Spirit baptism marks the starting point of spiritual warfare. Now, I'm going to give you an idea. I'm going to tell you something right now. For those who are struggling with the spirit thing, You're full of the spirit because you done talked in tongues before. You just didn't do it on your own. So now you can't even run from it because it's inside of you. Huh? What you mean? No, you've been led to talk in this tongue before because I've led you to do it. But now you're struggling on your own. So in other words, that reality, see, he says that marks the beginning of the spiritual warfare. That, 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 that reality has already been started. So now you're choosing to beat up, get beat up. You're choosing not to walk. <clears throat> Once a believer has contacted the person of God via the baptism in the spirit, he then has his own spirit released. He now senses the reality of the things and beings in the spiritual domain. Ooh, he then senses the reality of things and beings in the spiritual domain. I don't see them for the most part because now I'm sometimes trying to, yeah. But anyway, but I sense them. Morgan sees them. Nate sees them. My dad, when he was in the hospital, he was seeing them. They're there. And I've been meaning to ask Mark about a butterfly for the longest. I, I don't even know if he's on the line or what he ha- may have out there because my father saw butterflies and one was just kind of landing on me. I'm right this, here. Do you know anything about butterflies? 
butterfly is basically talking about a transformation and a metamorphosis of something to be one thing, but turning into another. It goes right back into what we talked about yesterday. Mm. Where you were a caterpillar at one stage, Ah, and then you go into the shell and the cocoon where there's safety and you're hidden, and then when it's time for you to emerge, you emerge not looking like what you went in and coming out in a different a different creature altogether, but it still goes through the process of going from one stage of empathy to a different stage of adulthood, and it's a process of transforming from the um, the one stage of the beginning of things and how you basically lived your life as this thing, now you've transformed to something else and you're able to do something different than you did when you were one place versus where you are now. Because remember, a caterpillar cannot fly, but a butterfly can. But the butterfly is a derivative of the caterpillar. So flight was always in the caterpillar, but it just didn't get to that place of growing into its nets or growing into its wings and flying. Yeah, you know what, no, no, no. I, again, check this out, talking about spirit of God and how things God work. My father saw this when he was in the hospital, which was months ago. I've been trying to talk, I, I just for whatever reason, been forget about it. After the prayer that they had for me and this reading I just happened to bring up, it's just amazing how all this just ties in together. You, well, you, do you see goes, how that works? <laughs> The butterfly goes into the fact of what we were just discussing when um, when Erica was asking you, um, asking you, well, we're telling you that when you have your hands lifted up, you're just like, what next, God? Mm -hmm. So what next is the cocoon stage? And then once the cocoon cocoon stage is done, that's when the butterfly emerges. And now the crazier thing to that is, I just got a text message from Erica asking me why I wasn't on the line. And I got on the line, and then you said, Mark. I've literally just been on the line for three minutes and, three minutes and 54 seconds. Oh, Jesus. Wow. You, I'm done. I'm, I, I ain't done. I'm done, man. I'm done. Because I wasn't on the line, I was pissed off. Mm. And I planned on getting on the line on my way to work, and I didn't do it because my car was acting crazy and stupid. So I basically just said the the certain things and people. So I told Erica I wasn't feeling it, and then she said, well, why aren't you on the line? I said, I'm not feeling it. So I called in four minutes ago, and then you start reading about the things that people can see and, and that you don't see anymore and your dad sees and your Morgan sees and then you mentioned Mark. That goes right back to the timing. Mm. And you know what? And see, that's why we have to learn. Quit, quit trying to be God. Quit trying to figure things out. Just, just, just be obedient. Because <laughs> you mm-hmm. can't put this thing together. No, because I wasn't going to come online and then Erica said, why aren't you on the line? And I was going to text message her back and say, I'm on the line. Are you happy? But I didn't even do that. I just got to, I just, I just adhered to what I was told and I did it. 
It's it's no point to say nothing else. Just do what you're supposed to do. Which goes right back again when I was talking about opportunity. Pick your stuff up and walk your butt through the door. Quit trying to get ready. God told you to do it now. But see, we too caught up in us. In our heart, in our mind, what are we talking about? That's your soul. That's not your spirit. Mm, mm, mm. Father God. Once a believer has contacted the person of God via the baptism in the Holy Spirit, he then has his own spirit release. He now senses the reality of the things and the beings in the spiritual domain. With such knowledge, and let us call in mind that the knowledge of a spiritual man does not accrue to him all at once. Some of it may, and usually does, come through many trials. Let's be real. Most of it is going to come through trials and tribulations. You know why it comes through trials and tribulations? Because you, you have to go through it. You have to grab hold of the Word of God, and you have to stand on it. And that standing on it process it begins to burn you out. You begin to diminish, and then it, the word of God begins to come alive. That's why they say it's the engrafted word of God. Because, see, now after you've gone through the trials and tribulations, it's part of you now. Well, I have see, to disagree with you. You literally go through a process in the initial stage of trying to trust God. Now, you can say out your mouth, but in all honesty, you're trying to trust God. That's why you struggle. Well, I disagree with you, Sam. I don't think it's most things. It's all things because he says, in order to reign with me, you must suffer persecution. It says for you to the the trying of your faith brings about patience. Mm. That's all things. It's not some things. You can't say it's some of the Bible and not all of the Bible. It's either all of the Bible or nothing. It's mm. it, there's nothing. There's nothing that um, the if and then clause does not cover. So that's all things. Mm. So mm. I, I'm not being contrary when I say I disagree with you, but, gotcha. but I, 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 I'm disagreeing with you because mm. we're not right. we're giving them a false hope that it's something that they can get out of. Ooh, did you just take that little pebble of hope away? Oh, come on now, see now. You really, you know, you snuck in there and you just pulled that chair from up underneath them real quick right before they got ready. <laughs> well, uh, well, uh, you know, I, I'm, very, I'm very much so a realist most of the time. So yeah. wait a minute, hold on, hold on, hold on, wait, wait before you go there. So, Mark, you're telling me that I'm doing my best to try not to deal with this stuff, but all I'm really doing is delaying the inevitable. Willingly or unwillingly, vessel of honor or vessel of dishonor, but you're going to be a vessel. Nah, I'm, I'm sorry, my girl. I'm about, to, I'm about to hurt you with this, but the perfect example is what Erica saw with Maria. Mm-hmm. And when, what she saw in her end of days, and she saw the struggle for what is the very things that she was hating to deal with. At the end of it, she still had to deal with it. She still had to deal with it on her own. And even now, her children 
so well, we try even, to not even but but not even see you I maybe I'm maybe it's good I'm in a bad mood right now because I'm being real. No, it's not her children. It's not just her. Maria is still dealing with it on the other side. Yeah, I, I was trying not to say that. I really I really not only is Maria not not only is Maria dealing with it on the other side. She left devastation on this line that's dealing with it on a day to day basis. Uh, if you want to be real, I mean, right now I'm I'm in my rarest form right now. Yeah, I, I, you said yeah. something to you said something to me that still bothers me to this day. And um, I was I was in the car last night. I was so frustrated, and I was reminded of this song. Um, and I just started, I just started, I just broke down in the car because I was just so frustrated. And it was Tamala Man changed me. And the second song on there was Take Me to the King. And mm. all that I could say was, I just wish Marie was here to sing this new song, Change Me, just for me. Because I pick up the phone and call and say, oh, Marie, I need you to sing me a song. And she said, what do you want me to sing, Booger? I said, I don't care. And today and yesterday was one of those days I could say, Lee, your book will need a song. And Jesus, I understand, but I don't understand. Oh, God. I did not come on this line to cry. I did not call in for this. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna hang back up and listen on the computer. <laughs> oh. oh God! It's your fault because you sent me a text message. Um. Mm, mm, mm. So it, it goes back to. The fact that the Bible says that we're jointly connected, and that's why it says that we can bear one another's cross and another's pain because we share those things on an intimate level because we're friends. We are our loved ones, and it's not about blood, but it is about his blood. It's not about what it is that we desire to do. It's about what his plan is. It's about the fact that he has a bigger plan than we could even conceptualize because it says that the plan that I have for you hasn't been seen nor heard nor has it entered into the heart of man, the things that I have for you. And you go back to the statement of yesterday when Erica was prophesying to you saying, well, Sam, you are li- you're looking at this in his unmerited grace. And I came back and I shared with you that you have to now go to his unmerited favor because unmerited favor is different from grace. Grace means I'm going to save you. Favor means it's just not fair, but I'm going to bless you. Did you get that?
Maybe I'm on the wrong line today. Maybe I'm on the maybe I'm on the wrong line. Because that's how I thought I was supposed to come on further to inspire somebody. But that's that's where we are. We are no longer and and, and that's why that's why we have to understand that. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3, that's one of my most favorite scriptures because it talks about everything. It says, in every time, there's a season. And I say this all the time, time and season are two totally different things. The season of something is when you have an expectation that it appears. Time encapsulates encapsulates everything. So time and season are not synonymous. They're synonymous with one another. But I even have a new word for you guys today. I've been practicing my vocabulary, writing papers. Time and season are two different events that are happening, that happening at the same time. And it's called concomitant, which basically is two individual things that are happening simultaneously that could have the same effect or something different. We have seen now the signs of the time where there are wars and rumors of wars, but yet and still some of the same things have been happening 30 and 40 years ago. But now we're here today. That's a time and a season. Time is still going. Seasons are still changing and things are still on the horizon. So with that being said, we're going back to what the man of God said yesterday when he said, God is talking to you. And he's not talking to you about that which was, but he's talking to you right now about 20 years in the future. Are you listening? Are you hearing? Are you seeing the manifestation of the words? Because why? This is what he's saying. And the only reason for us to hear it is for us to repeat it so we can see what we heard, so we can believe what we said. We're going right back to the things that we talked about two weeks ago. I feel like Lisa right now. I can't even get no help. (laughs) Good morning, Papa. So with all that being said, when you talked about the change was coming and the movement of change was coming, Sam, that goes into what I shared with you yesterday. We don't hear you, I think. He got disconnected what? somehow. He cut off. Okay. Oh. That goes into, remember I sh- shared with you yesterday, you got to prophesy yourself there? Mm-hmm. Right. You, you sent us a message about change, but you were talking to Sam. But that was a residual of the overflowing of your cup that got to the saucer that you gave to us. Mm, wow. Mm. Mm, wow. But again, you took Sam out of the equation and said this was what God's word for everybody. But how does the leader exclude himself of the word versus being a first partitioner or such? 
I don't think I wanted me to come on the line this morning. So now you went from preaching to started to meddling. <laughs> no, I'm just saying because I didn't want to come on the line this morning because I wasn't ready. Mm. Well, you know, you know. You and, 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 the, and the reason why I say that is that there are things that we are responsible for. Oh, I'm going back on mute. That that he he hasn't even he hasn't even revealed them to us, but our spirit innately knows that we can't respond irrationally. We can't respond out of our emotions. We can't respond because we're hurt. We can't respond because we're frustrated. We just have to go back to I remember. When we first start praying, I used to say, God be God. Because that's all it is. It's either he's the God of everything or the God of nothing. Those are the only two options. And you have to make a choice for him to be the God of everything. So whatever it is that is concerning you and your life, it's governed by that. So that keeps you covered and protected because if he's the God of nothing, you're left to the perils of this world. Okay, let me read. Once a believer has contacted the person of God via the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he then has his own spirit released. He now senses the reality of the things and beings in the spiritual realm. With such knowledge, and let us call to mind that the knowledge of a spiritual man does not accrue to him all at once. Some of it may, and usually does, come through many trials. He encounters Satan. Only those who are spiritual perceive the reality of the spiritual foe and hence engage in battle, Ephesians 6 and 12. Such warfare is not fought with the arms of the flesh, 2 Corinthians 10 and 4. Because the conflict is spiritual, so must be the weapons. It is a struggle between the spirit of man and that of the enemy, an engagement of spirit with spirit. The spirit of man and the spirit of the enemy, an engagement of spirit with spirit. And we got to begin, we have to become trained to look at it through that way and deal with it through that way. Now, that does not mean that all I'm going to do is pray. Because let's be real, praying ain't paying your bills in the form of nine times out of ten, an angel ain't going to show up at your door and put some money in your pocket. I'm not saying that it won't happen. I said nine times out of ten. 
Because, again, somewhere along that way, you're going to have to apply that which you're praying with and for. What do we talk about? What is the true essence of prayer? Prayer is going to God to find out what God's will is for that which is going on in your life. Then praying about it means you are openly speaking that which God wants done. So, nine times out of ten, it means you have to get up and do something. So, what am I saying? That you have to learn how to pray and move at the same time. It's just that simple. Look at Paul. He said, I'm a tent maker. And you know why? I can tell you why. And Pastor Mark even said it. <laughs> and I'm, I'm paraphrasing because bottom line, look, I'm not going to look at y'all Negroes to be able to support me because I'm going to tell you something that's going to hurt y'all feelings. Y'all going to get mad and y'all ain't going to be able to give me no money and I'm going to starve. Paul said, I'll fast when I got to fast, but when I want to eat, I want to eat. And y'all ain't going to take care of me, so I'm going to work. Pastor Mark, look, that was my paraphrase of it, but I understand. Pastor Mark pretty much said the same thing, and I'm beginning to see that. Hell, I cut y'all on the line, and y'all keep calling in. That's because y'all crazy as hell. But that's another story. But Sam, aren't you the broadcaster? I'm the, I'm the messenger. All right. So you're doing what you're supposed to do, right? I, I, that's my job. I'm doing what it's called me to do. Right. But so what, right. He to, what he fails to realize is that he's not cutting us. He's cutting himself in the, oh, asking, the, in the avenue of us. <laughs> But like I said, you're the broadcaster, so you're doing what you're supposed to do. Your feelings ain't supposed to get in, 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 in the way of nowhere. And you're not trusting on us. You're trusting on him. And that's what we all need to be doing. See, we have to learn to look to God. He will work through man, but we must learn to look to God for your provision. And keep your focus. Because, again... Some point in time, man's gonna fail you. Hell, some point in time, you're gonna fail yourself. So you must look to God for your provision. That's why David, when he had got whatever sin it was, and God gave him three choices, he said, "Look, I, I I prefer to fall in your hands than in the hands of man, because man man will make up his mind. God will tell him to do something. Man might start out and say, you know what? I think I want to do different. Man might get greedy. It might supposed to be for two years. Man say, I think I want to go keep going." You hungry? Huh? No, not right now. And then we all know a fool will grasp onto an opportunity and misuse it, but a wise person will go seek counsel in order to know how to um, take the next step. Amen. Amen. Only those who are spiritual perceive the reality of the spiritual foe and hence engage in battle. Such warfare is not fought with the arms of the flesh. Because the conflict is spiritual, so must be the weapons. It's a struggle between the spirit of man and that of the enemy, an engagement of spirit with spirit. Before he arrives at such a juncture in his spiritual walk, the child of God neither understands nor can he engage in the battle of the spirit. 
before he arrives at such a juncture, you don't know what you're talking. Yeah, yeah, that it's it's stupid. It don't make no sense. Only after his inner man has been strengthened by the Holy Spirit does he know how to wrestle with the adversary in the spirit. He said, only after the inner man has been strengthened. See, that's the thing about God. He's going to prepare you. He said, after he's been strengthened. God's not just going to throw you out there into the situation and circumstance where you know you're, 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 not, you're not capable, you're not ready. Holy Spirit grows you up and prepares you. Now, devil will. Devil will. God will grow you up so that now you're prepared. Oh, Jesus. We was talking about strengthening the fibers last night. Muscle fibers and nerve fibers. And how the constant stretching and pulling builds them up. How apropos, po. Again, we're vessel. We're in a lot. It's the same thing with your spiritual. Why do you think he tells you to exercise your faith? Your spiritual core must be strengthened, must be thickened. So now you don't get offended, upset, all up in your emotions about every little nook and nanny. Because the enemy's coming. And he's been studying, observing. Matter of fact, to be very honest with you, in the beginning of this walk in the spirit, you've been so emotional, he knows how to play you like a like an accordion. So I told my son the other day, I said, Boy, they plan you, they they know all they gotta do is pluck this song and you gonna dance. And he shine. And that's how we all are. We, we, but the Satan, see, understand, see, Satan is looking from the outside in. He's taking notes. He knows what you do. He knows how to study. So now you have to outgrow the old you. So now as you begin to outgrow the old you, in other words, Satan is doing the same tactics that he's used before, but now they begin not to work. Now he's got, I got to try something else. So that's when he begins to change his tactics. His still job is to steal, kill, and destroy, to get you distracted and disrupted. But, again, at that initial junction when you're just beginning to engage in spiritual war and spiritual world, Holy Spirit knows you're not prepared, so he, he prepares you. Then he, he begins to grow you up. But Satan, he's trying to just knock you out. He, he ain't trying to, he, he's trying to get you out the box quick, fast, quick as he can. The reason for, um, before he rises at such a juncture in the spiritual walk, the child of God neither understands nor can he engage in the battle of the spirits. Only after his inner man has been strengthened by the Holy Spirit, does he know how to wrestle with the adversary. As he spiritually advances, he begins to discover the reality of Satan and his kingdom. Then it is that he is given to understand how to resist and attack the foe with his spirits. The reason for such a conflict to many. With the enemy's tactic of attack and blocking constituting the greatest, Satan frequently either unsettles the emotions of the physical bodies of believers. Any of y'all ever experienced that? Aren't you just be quiet right now? Because I ain't going to talk about you and your aunt. 
He unsettles the emotions of the physical bodies of believers, or he blocks the work of the spiritual ones. He blocks the work of the spiritual ones, the ones that are doing. He'll begin to throw in hindrances. Hell, we sometimes we call, we can't even get into the prayer line. Or he may disturb their environments. My daughter's room, when they move stuff all around, I say, you know what, that's it. You want to play, let's play. I've had stuff move around in it. The, the biggest one was that desk against the door. I'm like, really? Really? And, and with this latest event, with it, with he, and I had to ask it because, like, everywhere I went, I saw something happen. I said, what, is this thing following me around the house? I finally went on anointing in my house again the other day. I'm like, you know what is it? Because he can't come in here, or every time he come in here, we throw him out. He's talking like I was in several different places, and I saw just drama going on. I'm like, okay, what is this thing just follow me around? The need to fight for God forms still another reason for this warfare. As Satan plots in the air and works on earth against God, so as people fight back with spiritual power, destroying the enemy's plots and plans through their prayers. Though at times saints do not know for sure what Satan's scheme is, nor what he is doing at the moment, they nevertheless continue to press the fight with no let up, for they understand who their antagonist is. Saints at times don't know, again, that's the, that's the urgency of praying in the spirit. I tell y'all most of the time that I'm praying for individuals on that list, I don't know. I don't need to know. My job is, as she said, my job is to do what God's called me to do. But then I say, at other times, God begins to give me specific understanding about a situation, circumstance in their life. I go, okay. That doesn't mean I call them up and tell them about it. I very seldom, most of them only have a number. It's seldom that I, I, I'll do that, I, but I only do that if I feel led. To why is God telling me? He's got his reasons. But we need to press on, be obedient, trust God, and move when he tells us to move. That's our job requirement. Beyond the above two explanations, spiritual combat has for its existence yet another cause. The need to be delivered from Satan's deception and to deliver deceived souls. Oh, Jesus. The need to be delivered from Satan's deception. The need to grow up out of the confusion, the deception, the disillusionment, the bondage, the yoke that Satan has been holding us under. And then we finally begin to come up from it for ourselves. Then the others, our friends, our family members, our family that's not of blood, that we need to stand the gap and fight for to help them be loose as well. Because, see, again, you begin to become an understanding of what's going on in the spiritual realm and what's really governing situations, circumstances, and people. They don't. They just act and react. Again, uh, that spirit, I, I, I told you all the other day, the spirit to try to come into the house. Morgan saw, kicked it right out. 
and she literally saw a ghost jump from one person to another because the police was on the block. We had some situation going on, and they just was losing their mind. They was cussing, fussing, everything. It was chaos. And Morgan saw the spirit just go, okay, I got this one, and just one from other, other, other. Then people didn't, they didn't know what was going on. They didn't know what was causing them to start just, I mean, just cussing and fighting. and that. They didn't know that. So what does that mean? I run down there, you all need to stop in the name. No, that's not walking in wisdom, and they wouldn't receive it. No, I just like, oh, really, Jesus? So people are being held in bondage. Lord, again, I wanna I wanna pray for my my neighbor down there who's on his deathbed that and I stand firm that he will receive salvation before he checks out, Lord. I stand firm, Lord, that your angels are down there ministering to him. I stand firm, Lord, that you are providing a way of salvation entering in before he checks out, Lord. He will have a clear sober-minded opportunity to receive that which you died for, Lord. Touch his spirit, soul, and body, Lord. Move in a way that only you can move, Lord, however it needs to be done so he can rise up and say yes to you, Father. Or he succumbs to the end, should an angel or death. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And Sam, the reason why it's imperative that you not think about situations as the adversary thinks about it, is because you take on those attributes and think that is your truth. Oh, come on, my oh, no, you didn't. Oh, 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 I'm going on me. You need to go on that one, bro, man. Mm. Because mm. it says, I cast down every high thing and imagination that exalts itself above what I know about who? Christ. We already know that the adversary is that in which the high thing that exalts itself higher than what he should as to be on the level of where we are and who God is. So that's why it's imperative that you cast down the thoughts of the devil that exalts itself above that in which you know about God. That's what that scripture says. And then Sam just read the sentence. Change will basically not believe that in which that that's how I received it. I don't I don't know verbatim of what this what this what the sentence is. But if Sam were to read the sentence again, I, it would that scripture. I'm sorry. If Sam were to read the sentence and place that scripture there, it would make sense. Which you, read, you want me to read the sentence again? When it says basically not to believe or change your mind about what the devil devil thinks or something like that. Okay, let me read back. I'm going to start. Satan, uh, the need to fight for God forms still another reason for this warfare. As Satan plots in the air and works on earth against God, so as people, people fight back with spiritual power, destroying the enemy's plots and plans through their prayers. Though at times, saints do not know for sure what Satan's scheme is, nor what he is doing at that moment. They nevertheless continue to press the fight with no let up, for they understand who their antagonist is. Beyond the above two explanations, spiritual combat has for its existence yet another cause, the need to be delivered from Satan's deception and to deliver deceived souls. Is that it? Right there. Right there. 
if you recite the scripture to be delivered from if you um to um if you the last sentence if you change it to um cast if you if you change that sentence to cast down every high place and imaginary thing that absorbs itself against God above what we know about God, that scripture will fit in that same sentence. The the need to be delivered from Satan's deceptions and need to deliver so to deceive souls. The need to be delivered from every high thing mm. and imaginary thing that exalts itself above I, what I know about God. Got you. I got you now. That's his Did deception. Did that not fit in? That's his deception. Yeah. That's Correct. Okay. I got you. I got that you. That just deception. fit into, that just plugged into, that's the scripture. Mm-hmm. Because you have to cast down the the, the very thing that makes you believe that word that God told you was not a lie. Because your flesh would say, you are a wretched mess worse than David. Why would he pick you? Your flesh would say that you were a whoremonger. Why would he choose you? Your flesh would remind you that you were a crackhead. Why would he use you? Your flesh would tell you that you were a fornicator. Who would even care what you have to say? Your flesh would say you are a deceiver and a cheat. He can't use you. Your flesh would say that you are a doubter and you don't believe him. But you can still pour faith into somebody. Who do you think that you are? That's what your flesh will tell you. But if you change that concept of what the devil is saying and basically believe that I'm more than a conqueror to him that, 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 that gave it to me or that I am spiritually wonderfully made in his image. All the things that the flesh would say to me doesn't mean anything because I believe what the Father has said and I cast down every high thing and imaginary thing that exalts itself Above what I know about Christ. Okay. Now, does that, that does that that does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. All right, give me one second. Okay. Beyond the above two explanations, the spiritual combat has for its existence yet another cause, the need to be delivered from Satan's deception and to deliver deceived souls. In spite of the fact that their spirit's intuition becomes sharp and sensitive after they are baptized in the Holy Spirit, Believers may nonetheless fall into deception. 
To preclude their plunging into the wiles of the adversary, they need not only spiritual sensitivity, but also spiritual knowledge. <clears throat> they need not only spiritual sensitivity, they need also spiritual knowledge. That means you got to study. That means you got to take time to read, to learn, to put inside of you. See, the Holy Spirit only works with the Word of God. He don't work up off your feelings and your emotions. He only works with the Word of God. If you take no time to put the Word of God inside of you, then he's got nothing to work with. So you need that to give him something to work with. And then it's through the spiritual knowledge and the sensitivity that now you begin to have that experience through the application. I think I'll just keep reading. To preclude their plunging into the wilds of the adversary, they need not only spiritual sensitivity, but also spiritual knowledge. Should they be ignorant of the manner in which the Holy Spirit leads, they may assume a passive position and thereby become captives of the enemy. Okay, how? Okay, see, here we go. Should they be ignorant of the manner in which the Holy Spirit leads, they may assume a passive position and thereby become captives of the enemy. In this word, he says, my sheep know my voice. So, some of us need to get that passage, put it on, write it on a piece of paper, put it on the walls. Every time you walk by there, you see it, you need to speak it out. So that you will know the voice of God, not that of the enemy. Because until you truly begin to know God's voice, you will fall captive to that of the enemy. It's the process. All of us are different levels with everything. But until you know God's voice for yourself, now, even when I talked about with Erica the other day, she's, when we're talking, as you're learning and you're growing, then God don't keep hollering at you to get your attention after a while, dude. Then about all of, uh, you heard me, huh? I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. uh-huh. Me, me and Erica, and see, now that I'm even getting a great understanding of how this process works, in my quiet time, like I said, when I, the other day, I'm driving, then I started doing what I do, and I started laughing because I heard Mark and Erica in my head a lot of and it goes back to what you were talking about yesterday when you sent me a message. Right, right, right. I, I, I can do number laugh. I can do number laugh. Well, okay. So, again, but you have to go through your own application because he, he knows how to talk to me, and he's going to speak different to me than he does to Mark. He's going to speak different to Mark than he does to Renee, than he does to Pam, to Erica. But you have to learn it to experience for yourself. So you need the sensitivity, which is going to come, but you have to put this word in, which is the knowledge, but then you have to begin to have some application and experience. If not, you will never be able to discern his voice from God's voice. And look, like I said, you put that scripture up in your house and you begin to speak it out. God will let it be known, people. God's not trying to play no games and let you fall into some foolishness. 
He wants you to recognize his voice amidst the enemy's voice against your voice. It's God's desire. He gave his son. Jesus got up on the, got up on the cross for this. Don't think God, well, you know what I'm going. No, you have to go through your processes. And now you begin to get clarity amidst the noise that's going on in your life. That's what it is. That's what it is. Well, you know something, Sam? What, what people don't understand is that there are some things that are, I will say, whimsical, mystical about the Bible. There mm-hmm. are. But with that being said, there are some things that are better just practical that you just have to do. I believe it says that put your goals and visions and desires on your doorframe and your gatepost. How many times do you walk in people's house and their um, their notes are not around their doorframe that they desire about what's in their house? How many times do you walk past somebody's gate and it's a rubber band attached to the word that they have declared for their house. But in the Jewish faith, they have um, stakes called, um, I forgot, it's a, it's, a, it's a stake called, so I forgot the name of it, but they fortify their house with the word of God by putting these stakes in the ground and that is the protection and the promise of such, and that's what they believe. Just like people who are in the different religions dedicate their grounds to certain beings or things and for prosperity and things of that nature, in the faith, they do the same thing by putting the, um, the stake of Israel or whatever, I can't think of the name of it is, but it's to consecrate the ground that they actually live upon. But the Bible speaks of those things, and we don't think that it's normal to anoint your house because it's a building. Anoint the things that the whole, the, the actual airways that come in and they go out because it's still an entity. It's still a thing. Though they're not breathing, moving, or speaking, it is still a thing that can have Raise hell and bring havoc into your life. Anointing your car, though it is a thing, it still has an operation and it's supposed to respond to that in which it was created to do. We have to take in consideration of those things. And we don't. I'm sorry?
Oh, hang on a second. Beyond the above two explanations, spiritual combat has for existence yet another cause, the need to be delivered from Satan's deceptions and to deliver deceived souls. In spite of the fact that their spirit's intuition becomes sharp and sensitive after they are baptized in the Holy Spirit, believers may nonetheless fall into deception. To preclude their plunging into the wilds of the adversary, they need not only spiritual sensitivity but also spiritual knowledge. Should they be ignorant of the manner in which the Holy Spirit leads they may assume a passive position and thereby become captives of the enemy. The easiest error Christians can commit at this moment is to follow some irrational feeling or experience rather than the leading in the inner man. Once baptized in the Holy Spirit, they have entered into the supernatural realm. Unless believers appreciate their own weaknesses, that is, know how incompetent they are in themselves to encounter the supernatural, they shall be deceived. Mm. The easiest error Christians can commit this moment is to follow some irrational feeling experience rather than leading in the inner man. First and foremost, you can always, you can always, you can always, you can always go back to God and his word. Anytime something contradicts the word, then you know it's not of God. Now, in those areas, and I call those those gray areas, then that's when you have to be, he's talking about the inner man, that's that your your, your spirit inside of you where in the intuit, intuitive area that you have to begin and grow. And it's a process. And again, God will train you and grow you up in this process. I was just thinking about my house situation. How did I know what to do, when to do, and how did I know to trust? Because, again, the funniest thing, which I, I, could, I couldn't do nothing but laugh, I said, now that I know the process, I was going to go and get this other house. And I stopped right there. I was like, I don't know what to do. Because the things that I started doing, this thing, I saw how, how they didn't work. God intuitively led me one step at a time about what to do and how to do it. So, again, but he got to grow you up in that. But he can't never grow you up in that if you don't never step out into experience. So, again, you got to learn to trust God. You got to learn to say, okay, I need to, I need to grow. I need to get over myself. And those irrational feelings and, and all those things, what do you say? Irrational feelings, experiences. Well, that's coming from the flesh. Unless believers appreciate their own weakness, that is know how incompetent they are in themselves to encounter the supernatural, she'll be deceived. You can let your own curiosity get you in trouble. You and of yourself are incompetent and incapable of dealing with the supernatural powers. What did that man say? Jesus, I know, Paul, I never heard of. Who are you? If God ain't, like I talked about me fishing, I felt I felt safe and secure that I was doing what I was doing. If I went down there on myself, who knows what could have happened? 
But that's because I, I know I hear his voice. And I'm not trying to say I couldn't miss it. But I'm just saying, you got to get to that point. Because the moment that you say, see, see that, when that, 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 that thing that I got this, I know what I'm doing, that's your flesh and that's pride. And what does it say? Pride is the beginning of the fall. Amen. So, God tell you, ain't no flesh going to glory in his presence. So, either going to be, I understand that flesh is your flesh nature and your soul nature, as far as God is considering, it's all flesh, because your flesh, your soul means self. Self-life, I got this. I'm looking to myself for the substance or the support or whatever. And it's not coming from God. So the moment you say, God, I got this, you say, go right ahead. And then there's also the testing, too. There's a there is a difference between... <clears throat> Good morning. Hello. <laughs> I just got out of the call. I just... It's, yeah, but it's like um, there's a difference between going through a trial that just so happened to cross your path and putting yourself through a trial. Like the minister, they said, died because after all these years of, you know, saying, God, you know, I put my hand in this jar with this poisonous snake and I can get bit and I'll survive. You know, it's like you're purposely putting yourself in harm's way to prove God, but that's not what God told us to do. He said that as you go through life, you know, we're not supposed to be looking for trouble. Trouble's going to find us. So why would you sit up there and put yourself in trouble to prove a point? He doesn't need us to do more than just live the normal way and not all this extra that everybody's trying to do to try to prove that God is real. He's like, my word already does that. All I need you to do is live it out. Nothing extra is needed, no additives, no preservatives, all natural. Just live. And people will see my glory in you. But so many people want to try to push and show God and how their faith is. And you're right, that goes back to pride. Look how my faith looks. Look at how it looks to be a blessing and this and that and the other. Well, be the blessing, be walking in faith, but you don't have to broadcast it. It's just a natural showing if you're living for God the way you're supposed to. What does he say? If you lift my name up, I will draw all men to you. A light on the top of a hill. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I'll try not to have my, my, my light under the basket anymore. I'll try to take it out for the bed. I'm going to have my night light and y'all leave me alone. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, big difference. Big difference. Well, go, continue. I'm going back on mute. Right, then. 
The Christian spirit can be influenced by either of the two forces, the Holy Spirit or the evil spirit. He commits a fatal blunder who thinks his spirit can be controlled solely by the Holy Spirit and not be so by the evil spirit too. Let it forever be known that aside from the spirit that is from God, there is additionally the spirit of the world, which is in fact the spiritual foe of Ephesians 6 and 12. Except the Christian shuts up his spirit to resist, he may find the evil one usurping his spirit through deceit and counterfeit. I think I'm going to read that again. The Christian spirit can be influenced by the two forces, the Holy Spirit or the evil spirit. Well, you got a spirit. So spirit to spirit. So is it going to come from God or is it going to come from the devil? He commits a fatal blunder who thinks his spirit can be controlled solely by the Holy Spirit and not so by the evil spirit too. Again, that's that pride thing. Or it could be ignorance. I'm going to say maybe a combination of the two. Let it be forever known that aside from the spirit that is from God, there is additionally the spirit of the world, 1 Corinthians 2 and 12, which is in fact the spiritual fall of Ephesians 6 and 12. Except the Christian shuts up his spirit to resist, he may find the evil one usurping his spirit through deceit and counterfeit. And the more advanced, the more you grow, the more subtle he is. The more subtle who he is. Remember, he's the father of lies, people. He is the father of lies. He good. He cold. He been around a lot longer than you and me. He knows how this thing works. And he has power. He's the prince of the power of the air. So, don't take him lightly. Don't think that you can take him. Don't think that you got this. Don't think that he ain't good. He look, he been doing a job for a good while. When a child of God becomes spiritual, he is subject to the influence of the supernatural world. So let's think about this. When does a child of God become spiritual? According to what we're reading, he becomes spiritual when he's baptized with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So... At that point, God begins to supernaturally remove blinders from your eyes so that you can begin to see and experience things that you didn't see or experience before. So it's at that point that you then begin your walk in the supernatural arena. At this point, it's vital for him to know the difference between spiritual and supernatural the confusion of which forms the cause of many deceptions. Spiritual experiences are those which originate with the believer's spirit, while those of the supernatural may not necessarily come from there. They may arise from a physical sense or a solical sphere. A Christian ought never interpret a supernatural experience as always being a spiritual one. He should examine his experiences and determine whether they enter through the outside sensual organs or come via the inner spirit. Whatever emanates from outside, however supernatural it may be, it is never spiritual. 
a spiritual experience or a supernatural experience? What is God telling you? Okay. I'm going to go back to that death moving in my house. That was a spiritual experience. But it was outside of you. Well, yeah, I know, but God used that. God, first of all, happened in my house. Second of all, it wasn't nothing that I started. Third of all, as we were growing, God, I began to reveal certain things and show me certain things that it came from the inside because the Holy Spirit was teaching us. Just last week, I had a a spiritual experience of a collar being on my neck. What the hell is And I'm really God. That's all I can say. I couldn't even eat. Couldn't move my head. A spiritual experience. Yeah. So how do you know? So what he's saying is you'll know when your inner man, that intuitive, that witness that's inside of you, speaks to you and goes, this is what I want you to see or understand. This is what I'm teaching you. This is what I need you to know. Mm. It's going to come from the inside, and he's going to talk to you. That spiritual experience with the death, what was the result of that? We go through the house. We cleanse the house. My, that 90-year-old man received salvation. To this day, I just shake my head about it. I'm like, really, Lord? As long as that man been in church, he will say, praise the Lord, he got to that point. Mm-hmm. A spiritual experience. Now, if I go somewhere and I see a, a rock crying out and a statue having tears, is that a spiritual experience? If not, check this out. If God comes from me and begins to say something from me to the inside about that event, then yes. But now if I see that rock crying out, what's the first? Well, God said in his word that if you don't speak my word out, the rock's going to cry out. You see that rock with water coming down his face? Evidently, the gospel ain't being preached in this area. Can I go to give me something to eat, people? <laughs> but the world goes, ah. Ooh, it's on the news, and then, okay. And I mean, you know, that's not, but it's a supernatural experience. What did we just say that the prince of the power has air? What, I mean, the prince of the power has, <clears throat> the prince of the power of the air has power? That there's supernatural experiences? Yeah. Now, God, can God use this? Yeah. But again, it's all in his word. Okay, I'll just keep reading. <laughs> the Lord's saints should not receive everything so supernaturally unquestionably. For Satan, too, can perform supernatural deeds. Mm. No matter how the feeling is during the moment of experience, nor how the phenomena appears or declares itself to be, believers should investigate its source. The charge of 1 John 4 and 1 must strictly be observed. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are of God. Hmm. I'm going to read that one more time. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are of God. 
for many false prophets have gone out into the world. The counterfeits of the adversary often exceed the believer's expectation. I told y'all the boy is cold. Cold. Same God. He good. Do not take him lightly. If the Lord's people will humble themselves by admitting that deception is quite possible to them, they will be less to see. Why is that important again? Because if you're not humbling yourself, that means you're walking in you. That means, again, you got this. I know what's going on. Yeah, okay. Don't, don't, don't do it. Don't be deceived. Easily deceived. If the Lord's people humble themselves by admitting that deception is quite possible to them, they'll be deceived. Because of the counterfeits of the enemy, spiritual warfare looms inevitable. Unless with their spirits, soldiers of Christ take to the field to meet the foe, they shall find him coming in to suppress their spiritual strength. Now, right there, that's exactly what Felicia was talking about. You ain't got to go look for no fight, people. He coming just because of the fact. All honesty, like you said, when you come to this level or this walk, well, there's a target on your back. There's a big old X. Go get him. Go get him. That's the one. Bad part about it, a lot of us had a target when we was in the womb. But we didn't even recognize. We didn't know no better. The enemy did. So he <laughs> So we come out fighting stuff we even don't even know what or why. We come out damaged. We come out bruised. We come out hurt because we got attacked in the womb. <clears throat> Those people humble themselves by admitting that deception is quite possible to them. They will be less deceived. Because of the counterfeits of the enemy, spiritual warfare looms inevitable. Unless with their spirits, soldiers of Christ take to the field to meet the foe, they should find him coming in to suppress their spiritual strength. In spiritual conflict, the spirit of the Christian wars against the enemy's evil spirit. Now, should the Christian be deceived already, then he fights to regain his freedom. If not, then he strives to rescue others and to prevent the foe from attacking. He takes the positive stance of subjugating the enemy by opposing every one of Satan's plans and works. And that is our lesson for the day. I'm done. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I wanted to tell you the other day when you sent that text message, I was that yesterday or the day before yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, just as you sent that text message out, I woke up from a dream, and it was just like it confirmed the dream. Oh, wow. And I was just like, whoa. I said, okay, God, you know, because, I mean, I, other than that, I wouldn't have heard the text come through. And um, mm. it was, it had a read. And I don't think you've ever met um, Joyce, both of them. And um, they came in, and they were, and I was, 
and it was me sleeping in the bed, and they were trying to wake me up. And when I finally woke up, they were like, um, basically, the Lord said, you're pregnant, and it's time to deliver. And so I'm like, oh, if y'all don't leave me alone, and I, you know, and so I'm like trying to go back to sleep, and um, and they just kept, you know, poking at me, poking at me, and so finally I kind of said, "What the do you want?" You know, and then like, God said that you're pregnant, and so when I got up, I was actually, you know, big stomach and all, and so it was like, all you gotta do is push, and so I was. Um, I was pushing, and so um, as I was pushing, they were like, okay, you're basically counting down. And so just as as I was delivering, you could see my stomach getting smaller, 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 smaller. And that's when I woke up. And when I woke up, I heard the text message go off. And I read the text message, and I was like, okay, guys, so what's next? <laughs> so just it's just that kind of thing is what I'm, what I'm always looking for because I've been so backed up. I've been so cut off from emotions and spiritual things. It's like I have to do the second guessing just to make sure that I stay in line because I can get easily diverted. And so, you know, um, what looks like procrastination sometimes, I have to look at it. I have to be able to judge it. You know what I mean? And there are times when I know I'm procrastinating, and then there's other times where I'm just like, okay, I need not so much as need to know where I'm going, but to make sure that I'm not diverting myself because I will easily get myself, you know, what's what I'm looking for? Just, just off, off, doing other stuff, piddling, there's the word. I'll pedal, and then I'll be like, oh, oh, I got to get back on course, you know. So I just, just to hear that, see that dream, and then get your text message and let me know that even though I feel like I've been pimped, I'm still on course. Amen. I'm still right where I need to be. So I just thought I'd share that. Yes, sir. Amen. Yeah, I, I, I'm just going to say praise the Lord. <laughs> mm. I got yeah. I got several replies about that text message. Like, okay, Lord, that definitely, that, okay, God, amen. I, <laughs> and, and, and not just about the message, but as you say, about the timing of the message, too. Is, is, yeah, okay, God. <laughs> I mean, because, 
like I was going to sit there, that there are some things that's going on and some things that are coming up that we have to be aware of. And we're going to remember the reading today because the Word of God says if, if they say he's there, don't go. If they say he's there, don't go. He, I mean, he's not going to just, and that's where, and that's where a lot of the believers are going to start falling away because they're going to be following behind all these different quote unquote sightings of miracles and signs that he was like, but I'm all, you know, I'm, 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 I'm not just going to be for you know, it's not meant for just a handful of people to see me. You can see me too. You know what I mean? And it's just like they don't get that. You don't have to go to see the miracle. You can actually do the miracle. You can actually see it. There's a miracle right in front of you. When you look in the mirror, that's the miracle. Mm. But people think it's something, it has to be something elaborate. And again, he's just like, no, it's a spiritual thing. It's where you have to understand that you're, you're still standing here in spite of all that has come at you, in spite of family and fortune and all the other stuff, but you're still standing. That's the miracle in itself. But nobody wants to hear that. That's why they couldn't accept Christ, because they were expecting this big, elaborate presentation, and he came through the manger as a carpenter. But when he comes in all his glory this time, those who want to see him are not going to be ready, because he's going to be like, well, I never knew you. You didn't know me. I didn't know you. But it's going to be people, the ordinary people, the construction workers, the CNAs, the ones who are in the storefront, the ones with the ripped jeans and the tattoos and the earrings and all that other stuff, those who were sold out for the spiritual things of God instead of the things of God, those are the ones that are going to be elevated, and that's going to confound those who believe they are wise even the more because they're thinking, again, if I have on a three-piece suit and a Rolex watch and, you know, the cocky this and a Maybach car, that's showing who God is, and it's not. That's showing the things of God, not the spiritual nature of God. I'm going to shut up, but I just, yeah, but that's that's pretty much it. I'm I'm done. Uh, Leslie, you want to say something? Yes. Hi, 
Hi, Sam. Hi, everyone. Um, I just wanted to share my experiences that I've been having recently in spiritual warfare. And today's my first day on this call because I'm at work and I happen to just be in a quiet assignment where I was able to actually even dial in and listen. But basically, um, I am, you know, been going through a big spiritual battle. And um, the Lord gave me a word when I was at, I live in California now, and I went to this home church. And the guest speaker, I went up for prayer. I didn't tell him anything about what was going on. And he prayed and he said that the Lord said that he's going to heal the situation going on with my son through my bloodline. And so I received it and I just kept on. And then a few, last week, I I have a prayer that I pray every morning. It's called Command the Morning. And I had it saved on my phone and I couldn't find it. So I searched again for it, and this time I found other ones, which then led me to this book called um, Silencing the Accuser and this lady's website. And she has a whole ministry about our bloodlines and our ancestors and what um, have gone on previous to us, even right up. Because, you know, the Word of God says that um, the sins of the fathers and the iniquities of the fathers will be passed on from generation to generation, up to four generations deep. And so I um, was so grateful to find this book, but I hadn't started praying the prayers two days before because I didn't really, you know, I I, I say part of it was me just not being obedient and the other part was not really understanding everything. And so I have started to read this book. And and so to corroborate everything that was said today about the enemy and what's been going on, we have those things that our forefathers have done you'll see patterns that go in families of iniquities or things that happen in certain families that we have to actually come into the throne room of heaven. In the book of Daniel, it says we have to come into the, to the courts were opened up in heaven and the books were opened. And we have access to coming into that throne room of heaven with Jesus as our advocate to come before the Father God as the judge. And the enemy, we can actually have him summoned into that courtroom, but silenced. Because what he does is, by the sense of our forefathers and generational curses and things that, you know, have been done by our people before us, he actually can use that against us and our bloodline for generations. And that's why you might see certain patterns and things happening in our lives. So then I didn't, so I found the prayers. And then I found this place, um, I, I'm, a, I'm subscribed to Sid Roth, it's supernatural, and I get his emails. But ironically, when the Lord has something for you that you really need to know, he will confirm it. So I got the word, then I found the prayers like a month later. And then two days later, I on another e-list I'm subscribed to, the Elijah list, there's this gentleman that was on Sid Roth talking about accessing the throne room. So now... I found it through the prayers, went, and then again from him. So that's when I went to the lady's website and started really looking at all of this and reading, and I got on her webinar this week and so on. But also what I've learned from her is that we have regional spirits. We have spirits that are um, speaking the gentleman. I don't know who he is, the man that was talking about praying over our land and our homes and all of that. But we even have they even have prayers about the land and what's happened in the land. Like for me, I'm from Africa, but I'm mixed with everything. I have 
British in me. I have, you know, um, French and German. I have black African from Zambia. I have black African from South Africa, from Malawi. I have Malaysian from India. So I'm so mixed. All those regions, all those wars, all those spirits, we actually have to come and bring all this of what's happened in our ancestral line and we have access to the throne room where we can bring this in. And I'm giving it in a quick paraphrase. It's much deeper than that. And there's different prayers that we can pray. And so I call the woman. I said, lady, you got like 12, 15 prayers there. Like, am I supposed to say this every day? How does this work? And she's like, well, as you are led by the Spirit, you can pray certain things. You know, obviously start them all. But she even has court documents that you can write and actually enter into this day in the courts of heaven. You divorce yourself from the spirits of Baal and all sorts of things. It's it's very intriguing because the enemy actually operates just like the Lord. As God has courts and he has everything legal and he runs things in such order, he was in heaven. So he knows what's going on. So he has the counterpart and the flip in his, in his kingdom. And so he they strategize. They actually have you know, things that they're doing and checkpoints they're building up against us, all sorts of things. Not that I'm focusing on the darkness, but we have to know who our adversary is. We have to know how he operates so that we can then, you know, know how to enter into spiritual warfare. I thought it was all about just, you know, my understanding of spiritual warfare has grown through this battle that I'm going through with my children, and I took it to the spiritual side because that's where the battles, as you guys have said, happen. They're not happening here. When you have your children calling you out of your name and all sorts of crazy things happening, you know you're listening to demons. You know you're looking at something that's not who you raised and not what you put in, you know, the word into your children. You have things that are coming at you that are totally, like, not even... You know, you know what's up and you know what time it is. So the Lord, thank God in his mercy, has led me to this place and to learn about this stuff. And so I just wanted to share that because there's more to them even what I understood of what spiritual warfare was. And I learned a lot. But, I mean, of course, we're always learning. We're always growing from glory to glory, strength to strength. As we mature in Christ, he can you know, take us to other places. And I'm not, not elevating myself in that way like that. I'm just saying that I obviously, he gave me this blueprint or these things to learn how to really get into this battle, you know, and it's still going on. But you know what? The victory is the Lord's. But, you know, we have to first know who we are in Christ, know what Christ did, know really the when we know who we are in Christ, then we can go and face that enemy. Because if we don't know who we are in Christ, he then come. He can come and, you know, be the, you know, the the, the deceiver, the slickness that Sam was talking about, the trickiness. The more subtle he gets, as we, you know, grow stronger. And even in our walks, I mean, for me, I'm just speaking for myself. You know, you know, we really have to. We have to know what time it is because time is short. We are entering into. If you look at creation and the seven days, we are in day seven of the creation. Like this is the time now, all of us that are here, we were chosen for this time to be in the kingdom of the Lord, fighting for this time because, you know, we don't know the hour or the day, but it is this, we, who, who's here now, we are the ones that the Lord purposed to be here at this time for this battle of the end because, you know, it, it's really... Our walks, we have to, I mean, for me, I've had to sharpen, like really, really sharpen myself and my walks because I thought I was walking tight, but I'm telling you now, you know, it's like uh, there's a vast change in who I am today. 
and Sam, you're probably uh, hearing this because when we last talked, which was months ago, it was a couple of months ago, I was in a different place because I didn't even know how to deal with this thing. But there's a lot that's going, you know, that my eyes are opened and the Lord has allowed me to open as I grew in him more and more. Then I was able to fight to stand this thing, but really in the spirit. So I'm sorry, I don't want to go on and on, but it's exciting. It's great to, to learn these things. And if any of you want the website, I can give it to, it's basically the name of the book, silencingtheaccuser.com. And, um, you know, if you go to Sid Roth and you Google, um, I, I can't remember the guy's name, but I can give the information to Sam if anyone wants it. I just wanted to share all of that and thank you for what you guys are doing and for the study. It was really, really enlightening, and I appreciate all of you. Amen. All righty. Probably got a couple of minutes left, but uh, anybody else got any comments? Can you get the um, information of the book, Sam? Okay. Um, I'll tell you what, Leslie wants you Text it to me, and then uh, Morgan set up my group page. How about that? Oh, that's awesome. She did. She did not set up group me on your on your on your phone. Wait a minute. You should. She took a picture. I ain't gonna tell you, boy. When it comes to you, look at the picture. I know you're gonna fall out and laugh. But anyway, yeah. So. Yes. Okay. So you're. You can send it on group me then, and everybody just join in on group me right. because the account is already set up. Okay, so yeah, she set it up, so. All right. So I will do that, sir. Yada, yada, yada. Anyway, <laughs> I, know, I know I'm know i going to get some smart comments, so I'm going to just leave it alone. Anyway, next. <laughs> now, can you instruct everybody that their text messages will be through group? Okay, you just did. There you go. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Well, we just wanted to defer to the pastor to make such announcements. Oh, I delegated it to my brother. Mm-hmm. 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 Did you call the Oh, are you going you gonna go and get on Yeah, I thought you let it ride, but I see you're going to go ahead and get on that train, too. Anyway, we got a couple of minutes. I'm going to let y'all ride it out, however, ride it out, and then we can get back on and we can do prayer requests or whatever, y'all, you know. Oh, nobody ain't got nothing else to say? Well, actually, is Sister Leslie still on the phone? Uh, Leslie. Yes, 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 I am. Yes, well, can you hear us, me? Sorry. Yes, from us to you, it's it's appreciative of you to come on. We appreciate you coming on the line and sharing that the labor of love and warring and fasting is not in vain because it's very, very few and far between where some can come back and say that the fruits of your labor is um, is appreciative and appreciated. And I want to thank you for trusting us to pray and cover you and your family, as well as 
accepting the knowledge of the God that's in us because sometimes this gets tireless where you say that yet again it's another call and nobody ever knows who it's reaching. And I tell um, Elder Sam all the time that it's funny to me when we when I hear some of the lists that we have because they're so um, they're so open ended. The man at the crack house. Well, what man at the crack house? It could be any man at the crack house. The woman on the street. What woman on the street? Because it could be any woman on the street. The lady that Mark um, interacted with. What lady did Mark interact with? So it covers a, it, it covers a multitude of things. And I think it's funny, and that's why they're laughing, because I'm like, well, you know, we be praying around the man at the crack house, it's a crash house on every corner. So is that does that cover every man? And that answer is yes, but it, you wouldn't think that those prayers have the power and the capacity to cover every woman's son that's in the crack house, every woman's daughter that's in the jailhouse. Amen. But that's what it does. And and I thank you for just esteeming us and stopping, excuse me, and stopping by to say, hey, your prayers aren't unanswered, and they are reaching more than heaven is touching my house as well because sometimes we don't have that opportunity or we're afforded the understanding that we're doing a good job and, and or we're doing what thus says the Father. So I want you to know that we appreciate you from you just stopping by to say that it was an impact of what we're doing that's helping you in your house. Thank you so much. I appreciate you and, and all of you, you know, and just, you know, I think just as you're saying, it's not just one person at the crack house. It's everyone or one person at the corner. It's everyone, you know, just having that heart for, you know, all these people out there, they all God's children, you know, and just having that softness to to know that, you know, that could have been us or our children or whomever, you know, by God's mercy and grace, you know, we have to extend that to everyone and just, you know, understanding that people have, they have things going on in their lives that they don't understand what, what it is. They don't even know. Like Morgan saw spirits jumping from person to person, and she's able to see that. But those were regional spirits in that area operating to cause that confusion, you know, and yes, just understanding that and knowing that. Like, you know, all of a sudden, Chicago's like, what, the number one murder city now, and it used to be New York or something? Like, what's mm-hmm. happening? So we have to take over our regions and mm-hmm. and. Gosh, there's so much more. Just definitely go to that website and check it out. And this lady has webinars every Wednesday. She's even gotten me doing communion. This morning when I did my prayers and time with the Lord, I actually did communion. I'm like, why didn't I think that I could do this before? By myself, I had my cracker and my wine and I did it, you know. And it's like, I never thought of that. I always thought I had to just do communion in church, you know. So mm-hmm. anyway, it's just, you know, all we all it, um, help each other and, and edify one another and, you know, learn from each other, too. And I'm, I just I hope I can come again to this because this was amazing. Thank you all. Well, we want you to come back, and we appreciate you coming. You have, I mean, I, I will let um, our fearless leader do a formal invitation, but he hands things off to me. You you can mm-hmm. and battle with us anytime you want because I don't think you'll leave a man standing. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate you, brother. God bless you. Sam, what are you laughing at? <laughs> One good thing about you, your sense of humor, you always laugh, and that's such a joy because, you know what, it helps us. Well, praise God. There you go. 
Well, Sam, I like her because, you know, she sounds like she can fight a little bit. <laughs> oh, Sam knows me, too. It's just knowing where to take our battles to, right? Sam, she looks like she's... She, she sounds like she could fight a little bit, Sam. I might need her. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.